Welcome to a very special episode of uh, CFX. I'm, I'm going to turn it over to, to Slip to, to tell you what we have in store uh, for you today. Right. Yeah. So this is a special episode dedicated to my father, Don. And uh, we're gonna, just going to go through his life a bit. And it's mostly my recollection of this. Um, and it's it's really what I feel I want to want to accentuate. My dad passed away on August 12th of this year. He was 80 years old. Um, he was really unique, special guy, larger than, you know, kind of larger than life in many ways. And we're kind of going to do a CFX, a little bit of a CFX style tribute to his life, kind of going over the the different things that that I want to accentuate in my you know relationship with him, uh, you know some of the pop cultural things he introduced me to, and I'm just letting you know probably most of the people who are going to listen to this are my family, and it's like I'm just letting you know this is not going to be some respectful, reverent kind of tribute. It's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be f bombs, there's going to be fart jokes, there's going to be that's right, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's not disrespectful, you know. It's going to be. Um, not safe for work in some ways. So, but a tribute you know, to the man who would find that funny, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and um, you know, this is and again, this is how I remember stuff. You know, my my dad's sisters are like these encyclopedias of the family history. I'm going to get shit wrong. I might mess up dates. I mean, obviously, any CFX listeners will know <laughs> done that in the past. So it's not it's not like it's going to be that succinct. And I'm probably not going to include things that many people think should be included. But again, um, you know, and if you feel I've missed something, please comment on the Instagram. We can use the traffic, frankly, and yeah. negative is just as good as positive to the algorithm. In fact, it may even be better. Yeah. So, you know, please comment. We could use the the traffic. We we don't get that much traffic. So, um, you know, and normally the way the show goes, you know, for other listeners who are interested in this, you know, it's it's um, you know, who who are who are are current listeners who know how the show works, you know, there's a lot of histories, I guys and all that. We're not going to do that. We're basically just going to go kind of through a chronological uh, period through my dad's life. And we're going to be playing some music, some commercials, some various uh, clips, you know, maybe some clips of movies and things that meant something to my dad and, and me. And, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, we played the opening clip uh, carry on and this episode as not won't air yet, but there was an episode where Jeff kind of shits on Stephen Stills. <laughs> it was, jo- <laughs> like, was joking. I love Stephen Stills. I, I know my joking. dad. My dad loves Stephen Stills. We get in arguments because I'm more of a Neil Young guy, but Me really, too. it doesn't. I love them all. Yeah. I love all of CSNY, and my dad loved the album Deja Vu. So I thought I would start with that. Um, it's definitely something he introduced to me. Um, and then a quick discussion on you know this whole getting emotional because I've gotten emotional over the past week like a lot um 
I've understandably you know, it's, it's, so. Yeah, it's my father, you know, and I was I loved him, you know, and it's like he and you know it was funny because I was joking like what other episode of CFX could we possibly have lost it on you know I mean yeah. maybe maybe when Donald Fagan dies you know Jeff would oh, be a wreck but, there's no uh, question <laughs> yeah. about that. but uh, yeah everybody could drink now we mentioned Steely Dan I was joking maybe the part where you know Brenda and Dylan break up on uh, 90210 you know I yeah could, I could sense Jeff kind of holding back the tears a little bit it's tough know? I gotta yeah, say that's tough. true. And anyway, we're not doing a personal history, but we're going to start with a little personal history, which is Jeff's history with my dad, because yeah. Jeff did meet him a couple of times. That's right. So maybe you want to we talk about those times, you know, because they were they were kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So my personal history with Don was uh, interesting because it was both in person and I'll talk about those and then by reputation. Right. Which is, um, you know, just hearing stories from you, hearing stories from, you know, your cousin Greg. Um, so I, I heard a lot about him before I met him, of course, and then, you know, having, having the opportunity to meet and hang out with him over, over the years, you know, including relatively recently, um, you know, in the last uh, 10 years or so, eight years, and then, you know, obviously Slip and I's history go back over 30 years, right? So, uh, right. So my earliest memories uh, is really actually hanging out in the OC with you and him at like the various trivia bars that we would go to. Yeah, there was a bar called Hurricanes that was with him walking to his house and you must have, we must have played, because I know you and I had played trivia at a couple of these places where they used to have the the National Trivia Network machines and it was like a TV thing and then you would have these little clickers and you would answer and um, you would have teams. And we played with my dad. My dad would love to do that. And my dad was super into trivia, as we'll get into uh, later. Yeah. And, and, you know, Slip and I like to go go into these bars that that had this trivia. A few over in various places would, you know, whoever won the bar would give you like a free round of drinks. And we pretty much would win every one, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, we won. I know there was one in San Francisco where I won a beer. We won a beer or something. Yeah we're pretty good at this kind of thing. So it was, it was easy. And, and I think especially for the fact that like our, even though we have a lot of common knowledge about CFX topics, the rest of our knowledge base overlaps in a very synergistic way. Um, so it's really hard. Like we're a good team because it's really hard for someone to beat us that we don't have like at least some expertise in pretty much every area um, of, you know, the, the, that's covered by these things. But anyway, we'd go and hang out at hurricanes and other places and I just remember, you, you know, him just having a good time and just being a very happy dude and and like hanging out and like, you know, drinking beer and like hanging out with, yep. with us and telling stories and making off color jokes in the best possible way. And, I, you know, and just really just having a good time is what I remember more recently. In fact, we were just talking about this on, you know, uh, because there's a whole other set of stories. We're going to have to do a whole episode about this one day that we had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty amazing day. It, I, I, but anyway, the, the part where it involves your dad is, is, is uh, Slip and I went on a, a beer trip to uh, San Diego and parts of uh, Orange County uh, back in the day. And uh, we wound up at what was one of the best breweries around at the time. I don't know if it still is, but called Noble Aleworks. And we had this bright idea. We, we spent like three or four days just drinking beer, which is as awesome as it sounds. 
And we wound up at Noble L Works, which was one of our favorite at the time. And we wound up showing up there right when they opened, you know, the, the tap house at noon. And let's just say that we left there when they closed at 8 p.m. And we were there the entire time. And we are drinking the entire time. And the best part of that is a bunch of our friends and, and Sub's family came who lived around, generally around the area, not too far. Some came from farther distances, came and- Yeah, so my dad came, my dad and my stepmom Ann came and Ann actually, they went and got us a pizza. That was awesome. And we ate it there, right? Angel yeah. and Vinci's, which is one of their favorites. That was a childhood favorite of mine and my sister's and my dad's and- and that, it, I guess it was um, one of, I think it was one of Ann's clients at the bank who who owned it. He was an actor, a bit act, uh, actor named Stephen Peck. And I think he had like a bit park in The Godfather. And he had this crazy pizza place with all these puppets and shit. And it looked like a theater. And But he had really good pizza. And so they went and got us a pizza there and brought it to Noble. And then my cousin Greg came and my cousin Danny came. Yeah. And yeah. We, yeah, we we closed. We we didn't quite close the place, but we were there till the evening, and we were pretty loaded. That was back when I drank. I don't drink anymore, and I'll be talking a little bit more about beer because obviously, me and my dad for a while shared that, and he was really into good IPAs and stuff toward the end of his life. And we, um, you know, Noble was really up there for us. So yeah, it it was great. And I mean, there's there's other stories we'll tell about that day because the the characters that went through that. <laughs> place were <laughs> yeah. incredible that day and and we have photographic evidence of some many many amazing things but i remember your dad and stepmom came they brought us pizza it was great again just had a great time um you know joined right into the festivities and you know it was it, it was awesome and you know you could tell from you know a lot of the stories and just the, the various times that i was able to hang out with him like you said, he's kind of a larger than life type character. And, and I just remember mostly that he, yeah, he really liked to have a good time. And he just I was always laughing about something. So. Right, right. So that, cool. that's pretty much it. I, I mean, there, there's probably a handful of other times that I, I met him, but those are the ones that uh, came to mind. All right. So we're going to start with a little prehistory before my dad was born. So we're going to play a clip. Wait till I get to California. I'm going to reach up and pick me orange whenever I want it. Or some grapes. No, 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 no. There's something I, I never had enough of. I'm going to get me a whole big bunch of grapes off in the bush, and I'm going to squash them all over my face and let the juice drain down off in my... <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. So that was a clip from the 1940 John Ford film, uh, The Grapes of Wrath. And this essentially is, John, you know, based on the John Steinbeck novel about um, people coming from Oklahoma in the Dust Bowl uh, to California. And this was what my family did. So uh, my uh, grandfather and grandmother, uh, Don and Cletus, that was my grandmother's name. So that's a pretty country name. Uh, and my grandmother was like one of 12 children. So, I mean, it was it was a it was pretty much about as country as you could get. They were from Oklahoma and they came to California and um, they had four kids, you know, there and they came they eventually wound up in Venice, California. You know, my aunts are all like encyclopedias, as I mentioned, of this history. I'm not going to go into detail on it. And I'm sure I would get things wrong. And, you know, if they want to start a podcast, that would be awesome because the, the history is really interesting of the family. But it was uh, the oldest was Nancy. Uh, the oldest is Nancy. Then uh, the next is Linda. Then my dad was third, Don. 
And uh, Becky, that's Jeff knows my cousin Greg, that's his mom. So she was the youngest. And they always, they always called my dad brother because <laughs> he was the only boy, right? Yeah. Um, and so he grew up in Venice, California. And I would say the first thing I wanted to talk about was his love of a particular TV show that he never really grew out of, um, uh, crazily enough. So let's play this clip. Here he comes, here he comes, there's the trumpets, there's the drums, here he comes. Okay, my dad loved fucking Hoppy. <laughs> he would always talk about Hoppy and he would listen to the, we'll talk more about radio, old radio shows because he never grew out of those either. He listened to Hoppy on the radio at first and then Hoppy came on TV and my dad had all the Hoppy gear as a kid, the cowboy hat, the guns and all that stuff. And it was funny because I always had trouble getting gifts for my dad for his birthday. I never, you know, a lot of times I got him joke gifts or, you know, I would just get him you know, I don't know, I'd get him a bottle of wine or a bottle of tequila or something. You know, I never was able to get him. One year, I got the best birthday gift ever for him, which was this giant life-size cardboard cutout of Hopalong Cassidy. So this is like, you know, my dad's like 60-something yeah. when I got him this, but it was standing up in their house. He absolutely loved it. And we'd get him like hoppy stuff, like a hoppy, I think I got him like a hoppy milk glass. You drink your milk so you could grow up and be strong like Hoppy. Yep. He was really into 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 Hopalong Cassidy as a little kid. Now, of course, he grew up at, you know as a teenager in, in Venice in the 50s. And for those of you who don't know what Venice, California is like, it's basically a duplicate, like an attempt to duplicate Italy's Venice. So there were there are these canals there, and it's gone through various uh, economic changes. You know, obviously over the years in the, in, in the 50s, I think it was moderately low income. And then it got kind of rough in the 60s and 70s. It got more of a gang kind of gang uh, type of thing. And then late- Skateboard right. punks and that kind yeah, of stuff. yeah, the whole Dogtown and Z Boys yeah. was was there, right? And, yeah. and and then they had later it became more wealthy. And now I don't know what it's like. I think there might be some homeless issues there. But he grew up and he went to Venice High School. All the all the sisters um, went there for a time. But he didn't graduate from uh, Venice High School. They ended up moving. Before I talk about that, let's talk about some of the music he was into at the time. Um, now he had this story, and again. The other thing about my family is they're Okies and Okies are known for kind of exaggerating things. So I, you know, half the time I didn't even know if my dad was telling me the truth. And this story is kind of weird. It might've been true. He said, I said, well, dad, what's the first concert you ever saw? And he told me, oh, I, I, me and my friend snuck into Elvis Presley when he played the LA Coliseum, but I looked it up and he never played the LA Coliseum. So, so he may have, maybe it was made up or maybe it was true. And he went, he got the thing, he got the name wrong. So Elvis did play shows in the late 50s at the Shrine Auditorium mm -hmm. and also at this place called the Pan Pacific Auditorium, which interestingly enough, if you know about the movie Xanadu, that's the building where they have the Xanadu roller rink that Olivia Newton-John oh, wow. uh, creates, right, with uh, Gene Kelly and and uh, I forget the actor's name. Um, but anyway, the guy from the Warriors. Uh, so so they create that. And then it also Disney California Adventure Park, the entryway is a, is a is kind of a, a 
a facsimile of that. They duplicated that. So my sister will love that fact because she is a huge fan of, of Xanadu. Um, so, so yeah, he may have seen Elvis. He was definitely into Elvis. I think everybody was, and he really loved doo-wop music. And we'll talk more about a little bit more about some of his music in the eighties as we talk about oldies radio. Um, but he really, um, I remember once he got a CD player in the eighties, he kept playing this one song. And he talked about how much it meant to him. And it's called Shaboom. And it was by the four chords. I don't have a clip of that one. Uh, we have a lot of clips on the show. And I didn't want to just go crazy. Um, but um, yeah, music was a huge part of his childhood, just like any kid. You know, he was a young teenager at the time. And the other thing that was really big to him when he was old enough was cars. And both him and my cousin Greg's father, Uncle Roger, were huge into working on cars. I mean, and this is what my dad would actually do for his career later in life. But he would always be working on cars. And even to, you know, his older age, he had a, a restored 55 Bel Air, a yellow 55 Bel Air Chevy that was a hot rod. And he would win like car shows with that thing. You know, he was constant. It was just it's just beautiful. It's still in his garage right now. And cars were a huge uh, part of his life. So in honor of that, let's play another of his favorite musicians of all time, uh, car, one of the great car songs. Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel I stole a kiss at the turn of a mile My curiosity running wild Cruising and playing the radio no particular place to go. Right. All right. So that's Chuck Berry, of course. And my dad would always say, whenever I talked about Jimi Hendrix, we'll talk about him later. Jimi Hendrix or Eddie Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen died. It's like, well, my dad is like, well, Chuck Berry was the best guitarist of all time. You know, he would just never accept. Like, I'm like, well, yeah, dad, but he invented all this stuff. And, you know, he was so influential, but technically... You know, he wasn't as technical as these guys, you know, and he yeah. would just like he would never he would just go. They wouldn't exist without him. And I'm like, yeah, you might be right. But, you know, different issue. You know, that that argument, you know, right. that that's kind of like it, it. he was just very protective of Chuck Berry, which is weird, um, especially given the fact that he went to see him later in the 80s and said it was like the worst concert he ever saw because Chuck Berry was just completely wasted. Yeah. You know, and. Chuck Berry would just be like, give me my money. He was not like, you know, he would play concerts in the 80s. He was not like really putting on a good show. He was just like, okay, pay me first. And he would just play with these pickup bands. It would be really sloppy. But of course, he's a great songwriter and rock genius, you know. Totally. Anyway, so Chuck Berry, Cars. My dad was expert at car, working on cars. He was super technical. Um you know, it's not something I share. Obviously, I don't even freaking drive. You know, I'm kind of a weird dude. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, I didn't really share that. Of course, I am technical in other ways with computer stuff a little bit. But but anyway, so the other thing we do share, though, is um, and I took this up later, you know, in life and he would he would revisit it in his middle ages. Uh, but as a kid, he you know, obviously he lived in Venice Beach and he was really into surfing and he was really into this particular artist that we're gonna play now. Ah, ah, ah. 
Yeah. So that's just a little clip of Miserlou by Dick Dale. And he would always talk about like how that was the real surf music to them. And he actually later in life, he and my stepmom went to some surf show where they saw all these older bands like the Ventures and stuff do a show. And he was always into Dick Dale. And he, as a kid, me and my sister would visit him and he would, he drove us to Dick Dale's house. Dick Dale lived in um, uh, Balboa in, in Newport Beach. And he would drive us there and, and he had, Dick Dale had this painted van, like this crazy van with him, like a surfer and a guitar um, painted on the side. And I remember him taking it to see us, you know, to see that when we were kids. It was a really good memory, but he was really into surfing early on. And um, but he was always like, well, the Beach Boys were posers, you know, because they didn't really surf, even though it's weird because later in life, he absolutely loved the Beach Boys. You know, he would always, we talked about this on our Endless Summer episode. You can you can listen to that. I talk about my dad a lot on that one because he was always, you know, singing the Beach Boys songs and he was really into uh into them and uh especially the whole endless summer thing you know my stepmom had that on eight track we'll be talking more about her eight track collection later but yeah that was a huge thing but the funny thing is of course a lot of people probably know miserlou by dick dale from pulp fiction right and the one of the weirdest experiences i ever had was when pulp fiction came out of course me and jeff saw it right away uh, i think we saw it separately but we were both completely floored by this film uh, just thought it was one of the greatest things we'd ever seen, as, as many of our generation did. And, you know, of course, my stepmom had heard about it and she wanted to watch it, you know, so they rented it and they did not get it at all. <laughs> like, like she was like, this is the worst. I mean, she likes inspirational movies. She does, you know, she likes it's not her thing, you know, this violent film. But my dad, he didn't laugh. Like I could tell he knew it was quality filmmaking. Um, and he was kind of intrigued by it, but he did not laugh at the humor. Like he, it's like he didn't get the humor. It was so dark. Yeah, he was kind of, and I think he saw how messed up she was by it. And she would, she just had to leave. So this is the worst movie I've ever seen. And I'm just like that experience of like showing a movie and expecting people to like really dig it, and then they just don't get it. It's like the worst experience. So yeah. I'm just like, oh, I felt so bad, you know. But it's like, you know, they just didn't get it. It was like a generational thing. It was really just a different generation, you know. Yeah. That's kind of a tangent. But anyway, so continuing on with the story. So, you know, my dad, uh, you know, his my um grandfather worked in, you know, aerospace industry and he got transferred to Lancaster, California. And that's where, you know, the family then moved. Um and uh they they moved to Lancaster, California, and he went to, finished his high school at Antelope Valley High. And this is where he would meet my mom. Although he meet my mom, my, he's he's a few years older than my mom, and he would meet her after he graduated. But it was funny because the other interesting thing about this is my uncle Tom, who's married to my aunt Nancy, he was you know he was they're older than my dad, and he went to school with Frank Zappa and Captain Beefheart, who nice. went here. Yeah, so they had a band called the Blackouts, and he knew who they were and stuff. And uh, it's really um, also named Don Captain Beefheart, right? Yeah, Don Van Vliet, right? And that's my dad was not into their music at all, but I I am, so it's kind of a a cool thing. But he graduated from high school in in sixty one, and he met my mom in nineteen sixty three. So she was graduated in sixty three, and he was going to Antelope Valley High School. Um, and he was, or she was going to Antelope Valley High School still, and he was going to, or maybe she was a Palmdale High, but but she would go to these parties at the colleges and stuff, and she was friends with uh, my dad's sister Becky and and stuff like that. And but it was funny because the, when she first saw my dad, it was at this party where 
he was just seated on the ground drinking wine out of this bag, like with a <laughs> tube. Like that's I, it's so surreal. I'm like, I gotta do some AI art of that. It's just very weird. Um, and and he was just the center of attention because he was just super funny. Like, um, and I should also mention he was like kind of a bad kid, you know, he would like tell like his sister Becky she was adopted and shit. He was just like <laughs> his humor was just super dark, but he would just be he was just super funny and he just was like the center of attention. And he was also suspended from the college because he decided it would be funny to throw a pie in the face of one of the administrators. <laughs> so he was like he was like a real bratty kid, you know, <laughs> really crazy. But um yeah that so they met and you know they started dating and um, I'm also not going to talk much about the Beatles. My dad loved the Beatles. You know, he got me into them a little bit later by telling me to buy Sgt. Pepper. I was already, I already knew who they were, you know, and I already was listening to the radio and all that. But they weren't like, I don't really remember him talking about watching Ed Sullivan. That was more my uh, my Aunt Becky's thing because she was younger. And my Uncle Chris, too, was younger than my mom, uh, her brother. It was much more their thing. So I'm not really going to talk about them so much. Um, so anyway, so so... You know, they got married and they um, they moved to this uh, town called Desert Lakes, which was near this town called Boron. And Boron is named for the chemical element of Boron, which was actually mined there. And it was used to make this soap called Baraxo. And here's an early commercial you We're might on a enjoy Valley of that. That water's not handy. Baraxo waterless hand cleaner really cleans up for us. Just a dab. Removes paint, grease, tar carbon, ink, even plain dirt, anytime, anywhere, without water. Mm, that guy sounds familiar. Yeah, that's familiar. That's Ronald Reagan. So Ronald Reagan, the, uh, the sponsor of his show, Death Valley Days, was actually Boraxo, which was the soap that was made from boron. And they made all kinds of like detergents and things. And you might have even seen it in a bathroom. Some, sometimes in a gas station bathroom, they'll have the Boraxo thing. And it's just this powder. Um, and uh, it was a it was a product and they made a lot of money mining this at, at the mines in Boron. And my dad worked there for for um, a, a few years uh, in the 60s. And he married my mom and they bought this house. And it's crazy because this house would be in my life for a long time because later uh, my grandfather moved into the house. You know, he had my dad had rented it out to some people and then they couldn't pay. So my grandfather ended up buying it. My grandmother and grand, grandfather and grandmother lived there for years. And then my aunt um, and uncle, Raj and Becky, ended up living in the house right behind them. So there was a little gate that connected the two houses. So it was like I spent a lot of my childhood. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but, you know, I was asking my mom, like, you know, well, what kind of music were you listening to this time? And I know my dad always talked about jazz. He always told me jazz is the highest form of music. Like, according to him, this was the best music that was ever made. And it was interesting because his taste in jazz was kind of particular. He liked a few different kinds of jazz, but he really liked this band, the modern, this group, the modern jazz quartet, which is very classical influenced. Yeah. So um, we're going to play a little clip from his favorite jazz album, which was called Collaboration, which was made with modern jazz quartet and uh, classical guitarist Lorindo Alameda. So let's listen to a little bit of that.
Yeah. So that's like pretty, pretty smooth stuff. You know, it's yeah. kind of a Latin jazz. He liked a lot of that stuff like uh, Getz, Gilberto. He had that album on Reel to Reel. We'll talk more about the Reel to Reel in a minute. He was really into that, that stuff. And um, he always talked about this album. Uh, and I had, used to have a copy on vinyl because I got it under his influence. It was not really something I gravitated towards as much. I loved the Latin stuff. I loved, um, you know, uh, I forget the the composer's name, uh, but he was the one who wrote all the Astrid Gilberto stuff. And I liked all that Girl from Ipanema stuff. And they were into that. But he was also just into, you know, he's into Simon and Garfunkel. He was into a lot of the music of the times. Um but around this time in 66, he uh, and I should also mention my dad played football in high school. I didn't really talk about that. He was he was a big he actually was a pretty big guy at the time. He was heavier um, and he played. I think he played either an offensive or defensive line player. And again, sorry, family, if I'm messing this up, but uh, football is important to my dad. So we'll be talking about that more. Um, you know, he got drafted he for Vietnam in 66 um and he you know had he went uh to monterey um to fort ord and i i'm not sure where he did basic but he did basic um training and he was very overweight so he told me this story where the the sergeant wouldn't let him get his dinner until he did what one pull-up you know, which of course doing a pull-up when you're heavy is really hard right yeah. so and he lost a ton of weight i mean he looked like a different person he was completely uh i mean almost emaciated by by the end of the war you know but he 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 had served in it's he had served here for a year and then he was in fort ord in monterey and that's when he says he went to the monterey pop festival so he saw the Monterey Pop Festival, and he always loves to talk about this because I love Jimi Hendrix, so he loved to egg me. My dad liked to push my buttons, let's just say. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But he would talk about how he thought Jimi Hendrix was the worst concert he'd ever seen. <laughs> um, you know, maybe that Chuck Berry part, concert was worse, but he just thought Jimi Hendrix was a no-talent, overrated. But the one artist he just couldn't shut up about that he absolutely was blown away by. Obviously, he saw Otis Redding. He loved Otis Redding. We had that, he had that final record he got later, which was the split record with Otis Redding on one side and Jimi Hendrix on the other live at Monterey Pop, which is one of my favorite live albums ever because both of the, I think the Hendrix side is great and I think the Otis Redding side is amazing. So he talked about him, but the one he talked about more than any other was Janis Joplin. So let's play that. So uh, I think Robert Plant might have been in next to my dad in, in yeah. that audience. Maybe I so. mean, the influence is pretty, pretty, pretty obvious, right? Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's weird. I was recording this day. I got a little emotional when I heard that. It's just like the intensity of it. And I was just thinking about my dad and, you know, 
it was kind of kind of hard. I, I he was he was super into Janis Joplin. Of course, he would always say how ugly <laughs> she was. After he'd be like he'd be like not not a looker, you know, like uh, <laughs> um, you know. But he really liked her music, um, and that was the one that I think the live act that made an impression on him uh, a lot. So he you know he served in Vietnam and he was there from 67 to 68. So he was there for the whole Ted offensive and all that. And he was like out in the, I, I mean, he, my mom said he shot a mortar gun, which is a big gun, which would be, you know, but he was also in the jungle and all that stuff. He was like a regular grunt army soldier. You yeah. know, he was not, he didn't have like an office job. He was out there fighting and uh, he's got, he shot, you know, we didn't talk about a lot, a lot of, uh, we didn't talk about, about it that much kind of a rough period from him for him obviously it was a traumatic thing um but he was proud of his service i mean my dad was always proud of being a veteran and you know he uh you know he he did something that very few people could do and and survive so i've always kind of even though i you know was against the vietnam war from my you know especially my lefty college i went to you know um I always admired the fact that he had been through this experience. And I just thought when I was 20, I, you know, especially when the Gulf War happened and it was like, we were, we were thinking we might get drafted or something because we didn't know. Right. I mean, obviously they were, they weren't going to have the draft ever again uh, because of the whole debacle of Vietnam and all that. But it was like, I was thinking I couldn't do this. You know, I could, I didn't, I wouldn't have the, I, I, th- I could almost do deal with it more now than I could then. Yeah. Like when I was 20, I just did not have the, uh, confidence that I would take to to do something like this, you know, just be pulled out of my country and thrown into this thing where you think you're going to die every day, you know. People it was it's kind of had a deal with it. They didn't have a lot of chance to think about it, right? Yeah, and he was, he just thought this is what I'm supposed to do, you yeah. know. It was his duty, and he just, you know, people didn't know a lot either at that time, and and you know, he he just said, he just said that's what you do, you know, you serve your country, and um. It was it was rough. I think he had a rough time and he wrote these letters to my mom where he's talking about God. And we'll talk about that later, because that's important later for this important revelation about my dad's beliefs that I had when I was very young. Uh, But I mean, he. Yeah, and he was he lost weight and he was he was. um, It was a tough time for him, but there's all these pictures of him. And and then he was also a photographer, which we'll talk about more. Uh, He was like an amateur photographer. And I think this is where that started to really flower because he was taking pictures for like the military base magazine and stuff. And he showed me a lot of the photos and stuff that he took. Um, Yeah. And he had some good friends during this time, too. He had a friend named Jeep, which is like... (laughs) I was his friend. I'm all, my mom's like, oh yeah, he had this friend. Cause I was talking to her. She's like, he had this great friend, his best friend. And I'm like, is that Jeep? And I guess there's some crazy stories, but I don't really know much about it. Again, this is all prehistory to me. I'm all looking at this as like, this is before I'm around. So speaking of which, the next, obviously he came back from Vietnam and, you know, uh, I think it was probably during a, a little way late over to Hawaii or something. He, you know, uh, I happened yeah. And we're going to play a clip to introduce me to the world. Here, here we go. You, Richard Milhouse Nixon, do solemnly swear. I, Richard Milhouse Nixon, do solemnly swear. That you will faithfully execute the office. That I will faithfully execute the office. Of President of the United States. Of President of the uh, That was what was playing on the, on the TV. And it's everybody talks about it. It's funny, my dad was just like, 
you know, he talks about it in this kind of comedic way, because at the time, my dad was not conservative. You know, he was a Democrat and both my parents were Democrats at the time. And uh, that's why the story was funny to them, because they were like, oh, shit, Richard Nixon got president. You know, yeah. this sucks. And but anyway, so that's when I was born. And um, I was born at, uh, in Orange County, you know, in, in Orange. And um, my parents lived in two little apartments in, I think, over a few a period of a few years. And I don't remember almost anything about them. I have big pictures in my mind. You know, there's a picture of me dressed as a little clown. And I'm pulling the hat off my head. And, uh, you know, it's 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 I just don't remember any of this. So I can't really talk about it that much. Um, and uh, the other thing that happened in 1969 is my dad's favorite movie of all time came out. And so let's play a clip from that. Right. So that's Midnight Cowboy. That's Dustin Hoffman. Um, my dad, it's weird. This is such a depressing film. Yeah. You know, it's it's a great performance. I mean, my dad would always talk bitterly about how John Wayne won for True Grit that year and Dustin Hoffman should have won. I think both John Voight and Justin Hoffman were nominated. One Best Picture. It was actually the only X-rated film to win Best Picture. Um, you know, it's a very dark film about, you know, John John Voight is basically a uh, a male prostitute who has sex with women and men in the film. And, you know, Dustin Hoffman's his, his disabled, like, con man uh, sidekick. And it's just very grim. You know, it's yeah, like, sure. and it's just weird. But my dad was just so affected by this movie. He always would maintain that this was the best movie ever made. You know, he loved he loved The Godfather. He loved other classic films. We'll talk about, um, you know, a few more things he loved. But th he would always come back to this film. It's so interesting to me. I almost feel like my dad at 50 would not have responded to this film the same way my dad at, you know, when he was in his uh, late 20s did. Right. You know, so it's it kind of interesting film to choose. I mean, we might cover it. I, I do like it. Um, I do think it's a classic, but it's it's just a weird. I've always thought it was a strange choice for him, you know. So anyway, let's jump to the 70s. I just want to start the 70s with a bang. Let's just play the clip right off the bat. Okay, so it's a back to the car theme. Uh, this is War. My dad always claimed they were his favorite band. He had all their records. Uh, you know, he loved R&B music. Uh, and he loved War. Even had an album called Jazz. They're really good music. The musicianship's really good. You know, they were a great band. And I love them, too. Um, I was going to put Cisco Kid, but I just couldn't. I just love Lowrider. You know, yeah. I, know, I know it's got Cheech and Chong 
uh, connotations, which actually is appropriate, as you, as you'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as we'll talk about during the 70s, uh, during my dad's wild years in the 70s. But at any rate, after Vietnam, you know, he got a job working for Sears in the automotive department, and he was a mechanic. He he worked at various um, uh, he worked at various uh, Sears uh, locations. I think one of them was like Carson, which is right next to Compton, so it was kind of a rough area. But he um. Yeah, he was he was he was first a mechanic and he eventually worked his way up to service manager. Um, and this was perfect because, you know, he at one time when he came back from the war, he actually kind of went through the process to start becoming a police officer. But he just it just wasn't for him. You know, he yeah. just thought taking these orders, it was like being in the military and just his personality. I mean, he would have probably made a good police officer because he's really cool dude and nice. But, you know, maybe some of his personal uh Habits might not have been welcome on the force. I don't know, but we'll get to that. So during this time, too, he was super into music. And this is something I discovered later in his, you know, he had this reel-to-reel player. You know, a lot of people had, he had he had records, he had a stereo system, you know, that he got from, it was like this Fisher system. It was really good, um, you know, but he had this reel-to-reel player and he, you know, had all these tapes, recorded tapes. He had George Harrison, All Things Must Pass. That's how I first heard that as, you know, a teenager. Um, he had, of course, uh, Deja Vu, CSNY, but he had store-bought ones too. He loved Joni Mitchell. He had Blue and Ladies of the Canyon. Ladies of the Canyon was actually his favorite nice. uh, Joni Mitchell record. You know, he had like um, some folk like James Joan Baez. He loved both him and my mom and and my stepmom too, loved Cat Stevens. And I remember seeing that her A-track, uh, you know, she'll come later, but but that's just like some of the music he liked. And it was funny because he kind of, the singer songwriter thing is funny because he kind of looks like James Taylor in the seventies. You know, he had that, <laughs> he had that big handlebar mustache. Yeah. He had the kind of hair and, you know, uh, definitely he's kind of the, you know, a little bit of the porn stash thing, you know, he, he definitely had the seventies look down, you know? Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, the, the, the apartments in orange and stuff. When we moved to Santa Ana, uh, in the early 70s, before my sister was born, um, she was born uh, four years after me. And, um, you know, before that, he, we moved there. And the one story I want to tell is it kind of captures my dad of this period. You know, they had this huge party for his 30th birthday uh, at our house on Jody Street in Santa Ana. And it, it the thing that's funny about this party is he put together a reel to reel player. I think someone brought pop brownies. There were pop brownies there. There was tons of drinking. And he put this reel to reel player together with party music like, you know, war and the other stuff he liked. Um, and uh, he also would just intersperse. My mom said, don't my mom's all don't talk about this on the podcast, but I'm going to tell you. And I'm like, I have to talk about this. He put like fart and burp sounds throughout the reel to reel. Yeah. And Respect. then the thing he did, if you remember, this was 1973. So what was the big trend in 73 with the Oscars and everything? It was streaking. Yeah. Right. So this is a trend where um, people would would just take off their clothes and run really quick through things like people did it at baseball games yeah. and yeah, yeah. the Oscars. So he did this at the party. He ran through the party just completely naked, holding a bunch of sparklers. And my mom said if some of her friends hid his clothes from him and shit. <laughs> after. But anyway, let's play a little. Let's play. A, there was a little song, a novelty song that came out. that was a big hit. Let's play it by Ray Stevens. <laughs> Proud as he 
can be from his anatomy. He gonna give us a peek. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that one. I I remember Ray Stevens and yeah, not, not yeah. a fan. Ahab the Arab and all that. That yeah. was earlier, but but this was a this I think this might have been a number one freaking song. You know, yeah. it's kind of like the era of my dangling, speaking of Chuck Berry, you know, those yeah. novelty songs. Um, but anyway, so during this time in Santa Ana, I had a best friend, Dale Griffo. I always joke that that's like the most wonder years name ever. And I had another friend named Robbie and uh, we used to play with my dad's Vietnam shit. You know, his dad went to Nam. His dad actually had like his face was all fucked up from some injury he got in Vietnam. And oh, no, his stomach. He had like his stomach. I think he'd been shot or something. I don't know the story, but his dad was in Vietnam. My dad was in Vietnam. They were family friends and. You know, uh, we would we would take my dad's like hats and his he had a helmet. and We had these little uh, bullet things that they put like a canteen and uh, like a belt and, you know, uh, the whole thing. And we would play war with his Vietnam shit, you know, then. And then the one time, you know, my dad was a fair he was not real strict. You know, he was kind of a gentle guy. I mean, he was funny and and a lighthearted, but he wasn't like this disciplinarian with us, you know, and he was very low key as a parent, but, and he never spanked me or anything except one time, mm. one time, right? So we had this, uh, we had this garage and we had this little room behind the garage. It was like a little storage space and it had a door. And we had all these Christmas ornaments that were our Christmas ornaments. And some of these were like, you know, 50, 60 years old. I mean, they may have even been like turn of the century. They were like family heirlooms passed down. And me and my friend Dale thought it would be really funny. I was probably like six years old or something. We thought it'd be really funny if we just fucking threw all these against the wall. So we went in there and smashed these Christmas ornaments. So my dad got out the belt that time. (laughs) Uh, That was the only time he ever spanked me. I think he felt bad about it, but you know, Hey, let's face it, I kind of deserved yeah, it. Kids so, are little fuckers, you know. You I know, we were little fuckers. Um, I also have a memory of this time. He had a bronze Volkswagen. My dad went through a series of cars. I'll talk about a few of them. He had a bronze Volkswagen. And there's pictures in the 60s of my dad's with these hot rods and stuff. And uh, I don't know what models they were, you know. But, but he had this bronze Volkswagen. And I remember one of the earliest memories I have is we we lot we had a dog named Baron. It was a it was an Irish setter, which was giant to me. And I was kind of afraid of the dog because it was like taller than me at this point. And I remember him driving me around in this bronze Volkswagen looking for the dog. It ran away. We never found it. Never found the dog. He was crushed by that. Um, and uh, and then I also remember him driving me around in this blue Mustang. And and my dad was a smoker. And so he would pretty much just hot box me in this fucking Mustang. You know, he'd be like, <laughs> he'd be like smoking in the car. That's what people did, you know? Yeah. And I remember this Mustang did not have a, like a, it didn't have the, we talked about the, the whole lap belt phenomenon with our, our Ocean's Eleven episode with Sammy Davis Jr. hitting the steering wheel column or whatever. Uh, yeah, this was just a lap belt. I didn't, I didn't feel very safe in this car. I scooted around, but it was kind of, it was kind of a hot rod. Um, but let's play that commercial because this is a brand of smoking cigarettes that he liked. Cool, nice and cool. Cool filter kings, cool filter longs, both with rich tobaccos, extra coolness. Cool filter kings and longs. You never had it so cool. <laughs> yeah, and if you you want to talk about the, the, you know, I have a little story about cool. So when I was a teenager, when I was like thirteen, um, 
of course, my dad had uh, his cools and, you know, he smoked until like maybe the late eighties and then he quit and he just completely quit cold Turkey, but he had his cools. Like he would get from price club, which was an old, I don't know if price club's still around. It's like Costco. Yeah. It's, I think it was a precursor company to Costco. Right. Right. It's like one of those, like there was Gemco and those, you know, but he could get these big boxes of, of cools from Costco. So I would just like, he would go to bed and I'd be up late watching MTV or whatever. And I would get in there and I would smoke them. You know, I would try to smoke them. And if you want to talk about the ultimate deterrent, cools are like, they're menthol. So it's like the grossest yeah, really. cigarette ever. And that and me and my friend Dale, of course, in the early 80s, it was very hip to smoke cloves. Those are even worse. So Dale got us a clove one time and I just felt sick. I felt like, you know, I got the the head the head rush, you know. But my, I just remember my dad smoking those all the time. I just could, you know, the smell of me, the smell of them is with me today. Uh, I just remember he was a big smoker in the 70s. Um, and then, uh, the other thing we talked about during our Donna summer episode is of course, disco and my parents going out dancing. Um, and my mom totally had the Dorothy Hamill hair. My dad had that, you know, he's kind of like James Taylor. He had the kind of disco clothes too. Um, I mean, this might've been later where he had the three piece suit where he, it was just like John Travolta with a medallion and that whole bit. Yeah, that I, I there, me and my sister found a picture of that and we were just dying. This was like in the eighties, we were just laughing our asses off. And he was like, Hey, I paid an arm and a leg for that suit, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but this was before then. So in, in the mid seventies, disco started to become a thing. And they used to go to this club called Ichabod's. I've been trying to find it on the line, find a picture of it, but it's hard to find some of these old places that were just like small businesses, you know, someone would have to take a picture of it. Um, but anyway, this is the, weird song that they dance to. Led Zeppelin, yeah, yeah, Robert Plant, and it's like my dad loved Led Zeppelin. He actually, the Physical Graffiti was his favorite Led Zeppelin album, and it also happens to be mine. And uh, actually, the song I could have played was his favorite song, which is "Houses of the Holy." Mine so too, he loved, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Really? That's cool, man. Yeah, he loved it. He would always see. He called it. He's all. I love that Led Zeppelin song. Take me, take you to the movies. He would call yeah. it "Take Me to the Movies." <laughs> Let me take you to the movies. He, he's like, that's my favorite song. And he thought he said, "Physical Graffiti is their best album." And I got that when I got that. It was like he's all. You got to get that one next, you know? Because, and at the time, it was, I think Led Zeppelin Four was probably my favorite for years. But um, you know, and I switched. Houses of the Holy was my favorite at one point, you know. Uh, but but it's probably to this mine day, today. probably Houses, yeah. Oak, Houses of the Holy, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get to that episode for sure. I think, but now it's probably physical graffiti. You know, if I look, but looking back, I, I really love that album. Um, you know, and that was, uh, Led Zeppelin was one of the first bands I ever really got into. I mean, obviously I was into Earth, Wind & Fire. We talked about that. I was influenced probably more from my mom, but also my dad. You know, they both liked Earth, Wind & Fire. My, I think my dad saw them even uh, in concert at one point. Um, but, you know, they were first and disco was kind of first, but after that, it was really Led Zeppelin. And so that was definitely uh, help. It was more of a peer pressure thing because in sixth grade, they were like the coolest band to like, you know, them and ACDC. We talked about that before, but it was also my dad's influence. I like that they had his seal of approval. Um, 
Now, the other big thing around this time for my dad was sports. Um, we'll talk about football a little bit later, but, um, you know, obviously he was into boxing. He followed boxing. He actually had a heavy bag in his garage that I think he worked out with in the 70s. But the other part was baseball, you know, and this is obviously a big on my mom's side of the family. My grandma, uh, Granny Bev, was a huge Dodgers fan her whole life. But my dad was a huge baseball fan, too. Dodgers and Angels. He took me to games. Um, and uh, he the, I mean, the Dodgers me, at that time were like going to the World Series pretty much. Yeah. So it was year. like Steve Garvey, Ron yeah. Say, you know, Davey um, Lopes, Steve Jose Yeager, Canseco, yeah. Davey Lopes. Not you Jose know, um, Canseco. Oh, Jose Canseco was the ace. Yeah, I was like, uh, sorry. Was, I, I, I wanted to say some. Uh, uh, Reggie yeah. Smith, Dusty Baker. Reggie Smith was yeah. on on there for he was in the Angels, though. Right, he was in the Yankees and the Angels. Reggie, I don't know if he played no, with the Dodgers. Reggie Smith was on the Dodgers. You're thinking of, um, yeah, you're, you're thinking of Reggie Jackson. Oh, Reggie Jackson. See, I'm screwing this up, man. Yeah, we're gonna so, have to edit this. It's making me look. See, see this is how into sports I am not. You know, so, I was at the time. The I Dodgers the Yankees in the 70s, the best team ever. So yeah, anyway. they were the best team, and 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 yeah, I mean. Um, and so I would, we would go to Angels games more because they were closer, right? They were in Anaheim, but the Dodgers were the team of the era. Yeah, them and the Yankees, right? Because they're yeah. like Craig, Craig Every Reynolds year, and all they them. Yeah, the, they were in the World Series. Yeah, yeah. I forget who's that. There was that one pitcher who threw the knuckleballs. I forget his name, like Charlie Huff or something. Char- yeah, uh, yeah. I think it was it was him. I uh, might have the name wrong. Yeah, the, that guy was a knuckleballer. I don't know if it's the if you're th- it might be that guy. But that was yeah. the, the. I mean, that was Reggie Jackson's team. You know, like Reggie yeah. Jackson was like the the player of that era. But, but he was on the. You know, he was on the enemy team to us. Yeah, he was era. on the enemy team, right? Yeah, but yeah. they were they were trade. They were like neck and neck. You yeah, know? it was like they were they were they were the they were like the they were like the Celtics and the Lakers were in the eighties. Yeah, totally. You know, they were kind of like the team that would always go and and yeah. So and I loved Steve Garvey. You know, he was he was almost like Superman in a baseball you know, uniform. That's what he looked like. But anyway, and I, of course, remember, you know, we talked about this many times. Vince Scully, Fama John, you know, best baseball announcer ever. But I was I was kind of getting into baseball a little bit through because it was cool to be into baseball at school. And then my dad, like, kind of wanted me to play Little League, you know, and I started playing Little League. I think when I was maybe eight years old and I was on a team called the twins and it was T-ball at first, mm-hmm. the first year was uh T-ball. Yep. And then it was, uh, you know, just, I think slow pitch and then regular pitch. And I played little league for five years and I was a pretty accurate pitcher, but I probably talked about this before where when I pitched, I was so accurate, but I was slow. I couldn't throw very fast. So they would just hit home runs for me uh, after a period of time when the kids got better. Um, I couldn't hit for shit, you know, but it was, it was a good experience being on a team. You know, I got like most dedicated. It's the same thing I got with swimming. It's like, yeah, it's like the kid who shows up and tries, but isn't really good, you know, but my dad played, you know, I would be there with my, uh, he would say, you know, when I would come home from work, you'd be there with your, your mitt and your ball ready to play catch. And I remember the first time he played catch with me, he threw the ball so fast. I was like, I was kind of scared. I was like flinching and but yeah, he played catch with me and stuff, you know, and he was, he was, he was into that. Cause he was into sports and he kind of liked that I was into sports and I thought it was good for me, you know? So, uh, you know, the next thing that happened, of course, is my parents got divorced. You know, this happened and my mom met another guy and, and, uh, you know, they weren't, maybe they weren't meant to be, you know, uh, it's, it's especially looking at their part, respective partners, that they married and they both stayed married. You know, my stepdad passed away last year. 
but both of my uh my dad's new partners were with the you know they and my mom and dad they were with them for life you know after getting married and mm -hmm. they were happily married you know and uh you know, it's like my stepmom just fit right into my family. I mean, she's like, my family is almost kind of like a matriarchy. You know, the women are strong personalities, you know, they're kind of, kind of leaders. And, you know, my stepmom was just that person, you know, she was, she was very, um, really smart too, you know, and, and I mean, she is, she's still around, uh, but, but she was younger. So she was like, you know, just 21. My dad was like 30, 34. So when they, when they met. Um, and, um, they got married, you know, they got married very shortly after, after the divorce. Um, it's funny. I was going to play a quick clip of Kramer versus Kramer. Cause I, I totally relate to that movie. I was devastated by the divorce. I, I was not cool to my step parents immediately. I was kind of like really messed up by it. I was, you know, the, you know kids think they're to blame and all this. I yeah. thought all that shit, you know, I went through all that shit and it really looking back, I'm like, it was the best thing for everybody. You know, it just worked out, you know? You don't but know it's, that so as my, a kid, though. I mean, you don't have. Yeah, yeah. So my dad, when my mom left, he went to live with my aunt Linda, and uh, you know she would throw these Halloween parties, and she worked at Bank of America with with Anne, and and she threw this how I think Halloween party, and Anne was dressed as a clown. So my dad was, I guess she was. They were saying, you know, it was kind of a setup a little bit. You know, I was trying to set them up, and he was trying to meet her, and they just hit it off right away. And they talk about, she talks about how sending the clowns is like their song. Yeah. But I'm sorry, and I hate sending the clowns. It makes me super depressed. Uh, I don't want to play it. So I'm going to play another song that was a, one of Anne's eight tracks. And it kind of maybe is, you know, another, a better song for, for me to play. Yeah. So Anna, as I mentioned, I've mentioned her eight track collection many times when we talked about it on the Fleetwood Mac episode, the Beach Boys episode. She had an awesome eight track uh, collection. We listened to the car and um, I loved everyone. I love heart. You know, we'll, I'm sure we're going to do heart at some point, um, you know, uh, on the show. So, yeah, that was, uh, you know, he met her and, and they got married and I was the ring bearer at the wedding and my sister was the flower girl. And everybody talks about how my sister was the worst flower girl ever because my <laughs> sister was kind of, you know, she was the troublemaker of us too, for the most part. Um, I was kind of the weird uh, kind of shut it, you know, kind of quiet wallflower kid, you know, um, kind of off to myself a lot. And uh, but the other thing that was big at this time was football to my dad. I mean, I, you know, when we, when my parents got divorced, we would visit them every other weekend and my dad would always be watching football on Sunday and he would go, Darren, get me a beer. And of course his beers were like Budweiser at Coors at this time. And so I would always take a sip, you know, and um, let's just say, you know, it, there's a reason I started drinking later. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it's not the best tasting stuff, no, you know, but he's like he, piss. Yeah. It tastes like piss, but that's what he was into. You know, he was yeah. just into regular American beer. Obviously he would, he would evolve with the world, you know, later. And we'll talk about that. But, um, 
But the other, you know, and and obviously the other thing that was weird is like in sixth grade, there was this thing where all the kids were into like USC because there was UCLA and USC football was really big, like in the late seventies and early eighties, they would have these games where they would play each other. And we all were like, I had UCLA shirts and I had USC shirts, but I always, we always wore our Trojan shirts on Friday. And I remember one big uh, game they played at the Coliseum. My dad took me to to see them. I also saw the Rams play a few times. I actually saw the Rams play the 49ers when OJ was on the 49ers in his later years. So that was kind of a trip, but, um, the Rams had gotten really good, you know, in 1980, they went to the Super Bowl, and, uh, you know, this is like, uh, Pat, Pat Hayden, his name, like, Uh uh, Vince Ferragamo, you know, those, those years. And, um, you know, I couldn't name any of the other players, but, uh, they, this was their era. They didn't win. They lost, but, but they did get to the Super Bowl. Was and this Merlin was like Olsen a on the team then, or yeah, that... maybe, maybe. Yeah, all the sports podcasters who are listening are going to be like these fuckers, man. Yeah, we, we don't know anything. Give, we don't give you're a shit, you're not though. bad. I'm like a disaster. <laughs> but uh, but it's like yeah, I just was never. I would just what I would do when we would go to his house and he'd watch. I watched some of the football games. I really enjoyed him. Like he got into the Raiders too when they were in L.A. And of course, in the later part of the '80s, they got really good and they went to the Super Bowl and all that. But um, you know, he uh, he would he would explain to me what was going on or what they should do. You know, he knew a lot about the game. He was super into it. I mean, I enjoyed those times with him, but a lot of times I would just Sunday was the day that the LA times calendar section came out. And I just read all the reviews of the bands and, you know, Robert Hilburn. And so they got the LA times. So I would do that. You know, we would, it was funny. We would all go get donuts. We'd go to this donut place um, and, uh, there were, I think it was happy donuts or some crap. My sister probably totally remembers this, but it, we would get a thing of donuts or bagels or something and we would eat them and I'd read the paper and then we'd watch the football game. And, you know, uh, sometimes some, I'll talk more about what we would do with him, but later, but, but the other show I remember he watched, and I don't remember watching it with him or anything, but I remember he loved it. And we always talked about like, how it was his favorite show. This is one of my favorite shows of all time now. And let's play this everyone will know what this is this is jim rockford at the tone leave your name and message i'll get back to you jim it's early at the cleaners you know that brown jacket the one i said looks so great on you your favorite we lost it How about that theme song, man? I mean, yeah. come on. And the answering machine clips are great. You can watch them all on YouTube. They're all hilarious. Um, this show had the things, uh, uh, everything my dad liked. He loved mysteries. Yeah. He loved like kind of detective shows, which is what Rockford was. Uh, he liked, it's kind of like almost comedy noir. Um, Roy Huggins, the creator of it, had directed and produced noir films in the 40s, and he brought that to the 70s. It's got a light comedy, and it's super L.A. oriented. I mean, you can you watch this show. It's just a tour of L.A. I mean, he even goes to like a Jack in a Box drive through because Rockford loved Jack in a Box tacos, which I also loved as a kid, by the way. Um, <laughs> it doesn't you know, sound it's- good, actually. I don't know, man. They're just little greasy tacos where you could see the grease through the, it was just heaven. Let me tell you, they were, they just rock, but Rockford was, and it was one of these shows I came to later. 
Uh, but I love it. It's one of my all-time favorite shows. We're definitely going to be hitting that. We're going to do the, a, sh- a show on that at some point because it's just a great show. But but I just remember that with nostalgia. And it's something I share with my dad, but I like the film noir. We'll talk more about that when we talk about later years. Uh, but but that was something I was really into. Okay. And of course, Saturday Night Live. You know, my dad is always into comedy. Like in the 60s, I don't really know what he was into comedy-wise. Like if it was like, you know, Bill Cosby, sorry, have to mention him. He's a huge influence on me. Uh, Bill Cosby or Richard Pryor. I know you liked Richard Pryor. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the 80s, uh, the a big one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he loves Saturday Night Live. And actually, uh, his favorite Saturday Night Live uh, cast member was Gilda Radner. Mm. He loved Gilda Radner. He loved, like, uh, was it Emily Latello and and especially Rosanna Rosanna Dan yeah. and he would do her you know I tried to find a clip on on for SNL for 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 her and I couldn't find one I liked because you know Lauren Michaels it's all that property stuff they don't there isn't that much stuff on YouTube um you know he loved all the cast of the original series I mean I'll talk more about them when I talk about our trips to Boron you know because that'll come back but but he really loved Gilda Radner and of course he loved absolutely loved father guido sarducci another another yeah he loved guido sarducci and my dad would do this thing where they would have a party and he would get a priest costume and he would do guido sarducci for the fucking party why yeah he loved him he loved him he he would do the impersonation he would talk about him and he would do the little bits of Father Guido Saraducci. And people would ask, like, we're having a party. Can Don come do his, like, routine? Yeah. Like, they would ask him to do it because he was so good at it. Like, at, at, at that impression. I guess you're not into to Guido Saraducci. I never got it. I yeah, never yeah. thought it was that funny. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know it's kind of like an Andy Kaufman-esque sort of thing that that guy did. But yeah. like, I, I just never thought it was funny. I just didn't get but it. But what was funny about that is one thing that I remember during this time, and I saw, because this was their house in Westminster, so this might have even been like 1980s. So I'm still kind of in the 70s, kind of in the late 70s, early 80s here. This might have even been 80s. Um, oh, it must have been 80s if they were in Westminster. I think that was 80s, because they lived in this, they had this apartment called the Cinnamon Tree, and it was like adults-only apartments <laughs> or something. That was when he was with Anne, and, and she was like, you know, visiting. This was before they got married when they had that. And then they moved to Westminster. That might have been 70s or 80s. Again, people, family, don't get mad at me for not remembering this. But um, I remember this because I was in that apartment, and he told me, like I was saying, talking about religion or something, and he said, oh, yeah, I don't believe in God. Yeah. And I was like, what? You know, I couldn't believe this. My dad was an atheist. This was like devastating to me. I mean, I was like, because my family wasn't religious. We didn't go to church, but my parent, my mom believed in God. You know, yeah. we went, we'd usually go like Christmas, we'd go to the service. And my stepdad was Lutheran. So we started going a little more, but I was never into church. I never wanted to be there, but I always thought all of that was true. You know, and, and I was like blown away by this. It's like, but I just think that was a huge thing for me. You know, I just had to mention it because it was a huge deal. That, And I also like that he talked to me like an adult. Yeah. You know, my dad never talked down to me. He he was he thought I was smart enough to understand concepts like this when I was like a kid. You know, he knew how to talk to kids. He never I mean, he would joke and stuff and he, you know, but he was he was kind of a philosophical person. 
even though he's also loved farts and poop as we'll get to <laughs> yeah, he was he had this lowbrow so my cousin was talking about it with me like his comic timing he was so witty he was so clever and smart um you know he was always doing crosswords and he would just do them and right you do like the la time the, the 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 new york times crossword or the la times crossword sunday crossword and like he'd do it like an hour like just record times he just got so good at them but anyway so yeah i'll talk more about that in a bit but uh, it's kind of hard to focus because I kind of have notes and I'm kind of going through them. But anyway, the music. So the other music, the, the other kind of jazz he liked was kind of fusion, which is interesting because I love fusion now. But at the time I was more, you know, I was just kind of into hard rock, but I liked some of the stuff he had, like like Weather Report had this song called Birdland is really catchy. And I really yeah. liked it. And I liked some of the, you know, the bass playing was Jocko's bass playing was cool. And, you know, the musicianship was so good, but he liked a lot of smooth jazz, uh -oh. you know, uh, and it was funny because uh, he liked like Grover Washington Jr. and stuff, which is almost like pop music, but yeah. it's like with jazz musicianship. Um, and then even Kenny G, oh. he, like he, the first time I heard of Kenny G was him before Kenny G was famous. My dad had this album G force, which is like wait, before wait, wait. his big breakthrough. Did yeah. You have cold, bold and together or whatever. I don't know what that is. Is that later? Do, don't you remember? He, he was only into the early shit, man. He was into the <laughs> early shit, which is not that different than the songbird and all that. It's but, not the but, same, but, but uh, yeah. Uh, that documentary, you know, HBO documentary. Oh, that documentary is fantastic. Yeah, People haven't seen that. It's amazing. That, yeah. The band that he was in with all the R&B guys that was cold. No, no, he didn't have that. It was it was with solo <laughs> albums, but it was like they were like 1984, 1985. And I think like when Songbird came out, it was like late 80s, like okay. 80s, 88, anyway. I want to say. And that's when it became like this plot. He became like this super huge dude but he was into it that was yeah. he was into smooth jazz later in life he would he had serious he listened to watercolors which is like just soft jazz you know yeah. but the band he never shut up about was this japanese band called hiroshima hiroshima and they were like a kind of fusion with japanese influence and they were all from japan and he saw them live and they had drummers and all this stuff and he just always talked about that concert so i want to play a little bit of what hiroshima sounded like All right. So that's, that's Hiroshima, you know, and it's funny. There's a video of them. You could see on YouTube. It's like them doing martial arts and shit. It's fucking awesome. But anyway, um, it's some of their stuff's very yacht rock. Yeah. You know, my dad was into that kind of sound. He loved Steely Dan and, you know, the music of the time too, the popular yeah. music of the time. They, they liked Fleetwood Mac, you know, he liked all the stuff that, you know, Jeff and I also like of that, that era. Um, now, I want to talk about Boron again, because as I mentioned, they lived there, but then they moved away and my grandfather had the house. And, and of course, Greg and uh, his family lived there, Becky and Raj and Danny. And um, they, you know, this is a trip that he would take us to on the weekend. So he would get off of work when he he had us every other weekend and some weekends he would get off of work and he would just surprise us. He'd just be like, we're going to go to Boron. And we I mean. It's so weird to my cousin because I, my, I tell my cousin this, you know, it's like, wow, Boron was so great. And he'd be like, well, you didn't have to live there, yeah. you know, because it was out in the middle of nowhere. It was a very rednecky town. You know, it was called and the town was actually called Desert Lakes where they live. Um, and but we would go it would be on the uh, 15, uh, the, the 15 highway, you know, heading towards uh, 
what Las Vegas, right? Yeah. And and it was like a very bumpy road. So he would drive really fast and go over the bumps and we loved it. And, you know, we listened to music. It was like a two hour drive, you know, which to that back then seems so long. You know, I just did the drive back from Southern California. It's like eight hours, you know, it's like, uh, but two hours seemed like a lot to us because it was kind of the farthest we'd ever gone really, other than, you know, maybe to visit my aunt in San Diego or Palmdale, my mom's family was about two hours away, I guess, in a different direction, but from Orange County. And we would drive and and it was funny because we'd listen to music. You know, I might bring a tape or something. Of I had, I remember I had Journey Escape, and Anne really dug that. You know, I played that, and um, I had Yes, which she did not like. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, "This is stupid." <laughs> um, but but yeah, we get to play our uh, some of our music, and then my sister and I would fight in the back seat sometimes. But mostly, we might get some snacks on the way, and. We'd get there later because it was after he got off of work. So we'd get there at like nine or nine thirty at night, and you know the stars would all be out. But the other thing that would li- we listen to if we got, you know, sometimes it'd be seven before we were on the road because we'd sometimes go out to dinner first. Um, we'd usually go to this restaurant called Hobo Joe's, which was just like a Denny's, but it had like hobos all over the menu. You know, one of those like I know they had the racist one, Sambo's. You know, like yeah. that It was kind of like one of those kind of places just kind of a generic diner kind of place, but we loved it. I'd just eat pancakes or something, you know, but we would go on the road trip to Boron and then around nine o'clock, it was time for the KNX uh, radio drama hour. So this is what we would listen to. So here's a clip of that. This is Arch Obler bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you, these lights out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Yes. Okay, you got a little bit of the, the um, air check there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like these were, I loved these. I still love them. And it's funny because Arch Obler is actually, we'll talk about him a little bit in our Twilight Zone episode that uh, will air um, because he was a huge influence on Rod Serling, but that was uh, called it's later than you. Th- I think that show was called it's later than you think, I believe. And that was like a suspense kind of twilight zone show, but there were mysteries. There was like, you know, Harry Lime, which was Orson Welles. And, you know, we would listen to these on, and it's just magical at night, you know, the atmosphere and you're looking out at the sky and you're out in the middle of the desert. So there's, you can see all the stars and it was just amazing. But we'd go to Boron and, you know, I would hang out with Greg. I was really close to him. We would just play together or whatever. Or later, when I was older, we'd listen to records. And, you know, uh, his his dad, Raj, would collect all of these albums. And, you know, I got introduced. That's the first time I ever heard Frank Zappa, actually. He had uh, a Freak Out, a copy of Freak Out. And he had, you know, all kinds of like fire sign theater, weird stuff like that, like comedy records. Yeah. And we would just play together and hang out together. And, um go off together. But I would also love, you know, we'd sit, listen to my grandfather tell stories about, you know, the thirties and forties, you know, and uh, what was going on during world war two. And, you know, we just sit there out. And then my, of course we, I wake up to the smell of like bacon or pancakes, you know, they would be making breakfast, my grandma and grandpa. Uh, it was just fucking the best, you know, it was even, it was just this remote kind of land that was, very rural, very deserty. You know, we'd go, my grandpa would take us through around in his um, land cruiser, you know, Toyota land cruiser. And we would go up in the hills and we would go look for like square headed nails and, 
he would find all kinds of weird junk and he would put it all over his yard. His yard looked like a museum. It was just a magical place. And I have to mention it. It was just such a great thing my dad did by taking us there. Both me and my sister are super nostalgic for this. Um, my cousin, not so much because he, <laughs> he had to go to school with all these backward people. You know, he, he was really happy when they moved up to Ukiah. It was like a, it was like moving to the real world kind of from this weird desert town, you know. Yeah. But anyway, so the 80s. So in the 80s, my dad kind of this is the most interesting period for my dad musically because he went through a lot of different things that surprised me to this day. And they surprised me at the time. But before I talk about that, let's talk about his favorite thing in the 80s, which was oldies radio. So let's play. My dad loved K-Earth 101. It was always on the radio. And then he would play a song and he would, he would, we would kind of laugh at some of the songs. Let's play this song. So finger popping, me and my sister thought this was the funniest thing ever. We thought it was so stupid. Um, and my, my dad started singing it because he would sing every song. He would always say, he would always say, I know the song. I know the lyrics to every, he would just, he wouldn't say that. He would just say, Darren, every song ever written. That means he knew the words. And then like the pinball wizard by the who came on. And I'm like, I'm all dad, why aren't you singing with this? And he's all like, every song ever written. That matters. My dad <laughs> fucking hated the Who. I found that out later. I was crushed because I love the Who. It was crushed. He was just like, oh, I love the Guess Who. He's like, I like the Guess Who. They're way better than the Who. I'm like, uh, no. Um, but anyway, that Bert, was the argument. Burton we had Cummings later. fan, I guess you were. Oh yeah, totally. He had that on Real to Real too. Like No yeah. Time. I liked some of those songs. You know, she's come undone, American Woman. I could deal yeah. with those. But but he loved it. You know, he loved them. But um, finger popping. He would sing that. And then he started doing this finger popping movement with his hand. He was just killing us. You know, just he was so goofy. He would do that. He would like, um, he, I remember, of course, he had the soundtrack to the big, speaking of oldies, you know, everybody, my, both my parents had the soundtrack to the big chill. You know, they were all into that when that came out. It was such a huge phenomenon. Um, and he would do like, he would mimic and and do sing my girl and kind of point to Anne, you know, and be really goofy. It was, it was funny. But it was weird. There was this other band that I just remembered. I almost put a clip, but, you know, again, we have a lot of clips. This is going to be a really long show. Um, and, you know, I almost put a clip, but, it, you know, if my sister, I don't know if my sister will remember this, but there was this weird band called the Nylons, and they were like a doo-wop, modern doo-wop group. So they had like all, they were like mostly acapella, I believe. And they did a version of Lion Sleeps Tonight, and they could really sing really well. And my dad just Loved this group. I don't know if he ever saw him, but he had a couple of their CDs. Mm -hmm. And I just want to talk about it in the context of this, because I'm going to change gears in a bit uh, with the music. But this was um, this was like, you know, the oldies. He listened to these all the time and he was really nostalgic, especially doo-wop. He always said doo-wop was like his favorite music, even though he loved war, too. But I think as the 80s went on, he got caught up in that baby boomer nostalgia for the 50s and 60s. And he kind of didn't think as much about his 70s stuff as much, um, you know, so he was really into that stuff. So, you know, 
so as I mentioned, you know, we did, we spent weekends with my dad. Um, he was really into watching sports, but the other thing he'd do is he would kind of alternate like doing something my sister wanted to do versus doing something we wanted to do for the weekend or I wanted to do. My sister always wanted to go to like Knott's Berry Farm or Disneyland, like an amusement park or some kind of country fair or whatever. Like I remember in Huntington Beach, they had this like makeshift carnival set up. And I'm just looking at these rides thinking these things are going to break down any minute. I was such, I am still to this day, a complete chicken. And of course, uh, you know, just where my where my uh, stepmom and dad live. First, they you know they lived in Westminster and they had an apartment there. And I remember my dad had you know it was a small apartment, and they had set up a dark room where the laundry room would be because my dad was a pho- amateur photographer. He had like really fancy cameras like Nikon's and stuff. And I just remember the smell, yeah. you know, of the of the stop fluid and all that shit. They really the fixer, and he showed me how it worked and would take me through that. I never did anything and is in fact even with my phone i'm terrible you know i have no gift for photography but both him and my uncle roger were super into that and Raj did it for the rest of his life my dad kind of got out of it um but what was funny or what was what had happened it's not funny this was actually tragic at the time but something that happened at this time that kind of changed my dad's life and my stepmom's life was they were robbed so we came home one day we were there with them that weekend we came home to their apartment one day and it was broken into um, and they, had, it, it was like some kids or something. They had stolen a few things. There was like a coin collection that was stolen. And my stepmom was just really upset. And so they immediately got a dog and they got a dog called Sadie. And my dad, for some reason, decided the dogs to get were Malamutes because he had heard they were the smartest dog or one of them. I think a poodle might be the smartest, but Malamutes were more intelligent. Right. And, you know, he liked that they were it's weird too having a Malamute in Southern California is so weird because they yeah. it's just too hot for them. <laughs> it's like, um, but anyway, he was it was he was he was in Orange County in a place that wasn't too bad. Later, he would move to the Lake Elsinore area and it was much hotter, you know. But but the, the, during this time, it wasn't too bad um, in Westminster. And later, when he lived at the beach, so he got this dog Sadie, and later he got a dog, another puppy Spike. And then he would get two other dogs in his life, this giant Malamute that has this huge called Luke, named after some player on the Kings, which we'll get to because he was into hockey also. And then this dog, Kobe, was the last dog he had, and they had Kobe in Canyon Lake. But I just want to play the, the what his neighbors had to experience because of these dogs. <laughs> My dogs howl like that too. Yeah. So Malamutes don't really bark, but they fucking howl. Like Luke would howl at night and he would get like threats from like neighbors and shit, you know? But um, yeah, unfortunately Spike had gotten into some poison. There were some rumors of him being poisoned. I don't know if that's true. My family definitely has like conspiracy on their mind as we'll get to in a minute. Um, But I don't, I think he might've just gotten into some poison and died. I don't know the full story, but um. This was after they moved to Huntington Beach. So they moved to a house that was over a hundred years old. It was an it was an antique house, and it was it was a, the people who had kind of restored it, but they they had kind of weird tastes. Like the bathroom had all like all these zodiac signs embedded in the tile tiles. So they were like kind of these weird hippies. But my dad and my stepmom completely restored it, you know, and so it was a complete, you know, beautiful antiques. And my dad started collecting antique cameras and he had a whole display of them. And they had all of this antique furniture and all these Maxfield Parish prints, if people know what those look like. Um, you know, I think he was inspired a little bit by 
my aunt Becky and uncle Roger who were doing that too. And they had the same kind of deal. And it was just, man, it was just beautiful the way they put this house together, you know? And a lot of my happiest memories are from this time, you know, it's weird too. Cause they were right by the beach, but I was just such an indoor kid. You know, we'd go to the beach sometimes and I would go swimming sometimes like me and my friend Dale found an old surfboard and we tried to take it in the water. It was really scary. We didn't know what we were doing and the surfing was so cool. And, and my dad wasn't surfing now. He would surf again later. But um, but yeah, it was just like I was so indoors. You know, I would just watch MTV all the time and just drink like five Diet Cokes watching MTV. I just remember doing that, you know. But around this time, um, we'll talk about MTV in a minute. Um, but I remember some movies my dad was into. Of course, he was really into Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, it's also one of my fa- It's probably either between that or Close Encounters are, is my favorite Steven Spielberg film. Probably Raiders. I've probably seen it more times than most films. Uh, I think it really still holds up. I haven't seen the new one yet, but I don't know if I will. I kind of don't want to tarnish the reputation. <laughs> my, my, I don't really like any of the other ones that much at all. I really like the first one. It's one of my favorite movies. My dad was really into this. And I remember on the strength of that, he went to see Blade Runner. He absolutely hated it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it. Yeah. He didn't like it. He's like, it's just dark. So nothing happens and it's dark. Um, yeah, not a, not an inaccurate review in some ways, but it you know it is kind of a cool movie. Um, and then uh, one of my other fondest memories from this time is uh, Pink Floyd: The Wall came out, and I had to see it. I was a huge Pink Floyd fan. I was a fan of the album, and he took me on the back of his motorcycle because he rode a motorcycle at this time, and he would ride a motorcycle like uh, during the super long commute. He was working. He had moved on from Sears to Cadillac. And he was like a service manager of Cadillac dealership, which is a job he would do until he would retire. And he worked at various, various ones. And I believe this one was in Fullerton and he commuted all the way from Huntington Beach to Fullerton, which is pretty far on the bike. And one day he actually got in an accident. He had skidded and uh, he luckily he was wearing one of these really um, strong leather mo- motorcycle full body suits, like a protective suit. But he got his leg all skinned up. And that was when he decided to sell the motorcycle. I believe it was a Suzuki or a Kawasaki. I don't remember what, but it was like one of these motorcycles that's meant for commuting. He'd go really fast. Um, And he would totally do that thing where you go around the traffic. You know, it was very risky, but he he eventually decided, yeah, that was too close of a call. And he sold the motorcycle. But before he sold it, he took me to the movies to see just the two of us to see Pink Floyd, The Wall, with a movie called Class of 1984, which is a, a cult film. I still have it. I have it on DVD now because I do like it. It has a, it has, um, what's his name from, um, uh, from uh, The White Shadow, like Van Pat- Timothy Van Patten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Salami. At any rate, my dad did not really think much of The Wall. He liked, he liked Pink Floyd, but he's just like, his only review of the movie was, well, that's what you get for watching so much TV. Because <laughs> the character watched so much TV, yeah. but it was mostly I remember being being scared. So anyway, Pink Floyd. So I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit. So the most important story, and we're going to save some Pink Floyd for the end. But um, you know, is that my dad would have me, you know, he would basically save the dog shit for me to clean up every other weekend <laughs> when I would come. 
And he would That's do this thing where he would, man, you know, I mean, yeah, he, I guess I needed to build character because he would be like, Oh, I just cleaned it up yesterday. But this shit was like fucking ancient fossils. I mean, it was like <laughs> plastered to the, to the grass, that you know, dry it was like white seventies. Yeah. It was shit. dry and crusty and he would save it. And this dog, these dogs, especially Luke was a massive shitter. I mean, this dog was, was like huge, you know? So he would save that up for me and he would do this thing where he would, um, he would, he would be, I would sleep on the couch sometimes with just like a, just a thin blanket. You know, I would just get, they would just get a blanket for me and I would sleep on the couch and I was fine because I would just stay up watching TV, you know, late hours, um, cable, they had cable and I would stay up and watch that. And, um, and so he would wake me up super early with like playing either country music or opera really loud on the <laughs> stereo, which is in the same room and be like, oh, time to get up and clean the dog shit. He didn't like anybody sleeping in. My dad was always an early riser. I mean, he got up at like six in the morning, even when he was young and he was always an early riser and he'd get us up and he would get me up and I would go clean the dog shit, but I would do other chores for him. Like I cleaned out the side of his house. It was completely full of garbage and stuff. And I did this and he's like, if you do this, I'll go buy you an album. You know, sometimes he would pay me money, but sometimes he would just buy me a record, which was even weirder because it was like probably he was getting the deal. But it was because he would take me to the store and I'd get the experience of looking up what I wanted to buy or if I had something in mind. It was just a whole experience. And he took me to buy a record. And of course, I've told Jeff this story before and I've told it on the Instagram he, I chose Foreigner 4. So this is like 1981. I was 12. Uh, you know, Foreigner 4 was the big album. Urgent. And, and yeah, song. Urgent was out. Ju I love Jukebox Hero. Right. That was all over KLOS. You know, I just like, you know, the, you know, uh, the guitar slung way down low and all that. And it rocked. And I was just super into Jukebox Hero. And I bought it. And But my dad's like, why don't you buy this other record? And it was Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. And I didn't even know who Pink Floyd was. I didn't know, I had heard money, but I didn't attach it to them because I listened to KLOS. Of course they played money, you know? And um, and I'd heard it. And I'd heard another brick in the wall as well. But I didn't really think of it as the same band. You know, I just didn't, I didn't really know. I just, we knew another brick in the wall because we just called it, we don't need an education. And we liked it because we sang it on the bus as a joke, because it was like, fuck you teachers. You know, you even too, though huh? I loved, I was a nerd. All kids did that. All kids did that. And I loved school. So I didn't really mean it. I, I was a nerdy kid who did well and loved school, you know, but anyway. Yeah, I wasn't, I hated school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we all sang it on the bus. Right. So, but I didn't put the two into it together and I just didn't even think about dark side of the moon or what that was, but I was intrigued by the cover with the prism and, you know, it, it didn't have anything on the cover, which I thought was cool. It had a hype sticker that said pink Floyd, dark side of the moon. And, um, you know, it had all these posters and things in it and stuff. Um, and we bought it and, I put on Foreigner, you know, because that was the record I wanted. And, you know, it was OK. I had like I liked the hits and there were a couple other OK songs. It was a decent record, but it wasn't like great. Um, and then I put on Dark Side of the Moon and I just kept listening to it over and over again. I couldn't stop listening to it. And I still freaking love it. Uh, to this day, I'm not sick of it. You know, I had my friend Roz say it was too commercial or something and she liked Wish You Were Here. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, Dark Side of the Moon sold 40 million and Wish You Were Here sold 25 million. So I don't know how commercial it is over that one. But it's like, obviously, it's more accessible than the early Pink Floyd, you know, than Adam Hart Mother. But I yeah. mean, it's still, or, you know, they were just writing great songs. And it's 
it's an innovative record. It has all those sound effects, like and and the and the stuff they did with synthesizers was super innovative, and it was just a masterpiece. And I, don't don't get me wrong, I love all those Pink Floyd records and Animals and Wish You Were Here, and I go in between, which is my favorite. But Dark Side of the Moon will always hold that special place because this is the point where I got really into music, and I started getting into the Beatles and the Doors and the Who and the Stone, all the classic rock. I mean, I'd already liked the Stones a little bit from my cousin Skip, but. You know, my dad loved the Stones, but I got into like Exile and Main Street, you know, that kind of Stones. I, mean, I was more into Some Girls and Tattoo You, but the stuff that was new. But I got into all the old Credence, you know, all the old stuff because of this. This is what set even Bob Dylan. I tried to listen to that stuff. You know, it's like this is what set me on to getting the Rolling Stone record guide, reading about album reviews you know, reading the calendar every week, every time I was at my dad's. And this is because of my dad. This is like a huge thing for me. And who other, what other dad knew about fucking Pink Floyd? Like none of my friends' dads were into this. You know, it was like, he was cool, you know? Yeah, they were into uh, Daryl Dragon and the captain. That's right, Captain <laughs> Antonio and Ice Castles, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, that was more my mom, yeah. Melissa Manchester, yeah, yeah. Ice Castles. Yeah, exactly. Utter garbage. Yeah. So, you know, that that was a huge thing musically. Um, you know, I also remember we had an Atari 2600. My dad got got that, and he was just as into it as us. He That's would play right. all the games. He got really good, uh, like Missile Command and Pac-Man and uh, Pitfall. Do you yeah. remember <laughs> Pitfall, dude? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, fucking, that, that was like the Indiana Jones game, where yeah. it's like you're jumping over a primitive crocodile's head. bit Kind yeah, of totally. That little, that. Yeah. I mean, this all coincided with like this one period where I got in a fight with my mom because I wanted to grow my hair long. And I would joke, hey, mom, Jesus had long hair. That was what I told her. But she wouldn't let me grow my hair. And so I got a buzz. I got like my hair all buzzed off. And she got mad about that. But I, and she was just like, we kind of got to fight. She's like, you got to go live with your dad. And I'm like, well, that's punishment living with my dad. This is like amazing. So I lived with, I stayed with my, it was really just for a week or two, but during the summer I stayed with my dad and he had this next door neighbor who had a daughter, Stacy, and she was kind of a punk girl. And, you know, she was not interested in me, but I was interested in every woman, you know, I was like 13. Yeah. So I kind of tried to mess around with her a little bit. It was really weird because we would kind of tickle each other. Mm-hmm. This is kind of getting personal now, but, <laughs> but it was like, you know, I would try to do it in certain places. Let's just say that. <laughs> And she would kind of let me, but she was like, not into me. I was too ugly and nerdy, but she was kind of, it was just kind of weird of that age. And I remember one time we were kind of, yeah, it was kind of like that, but older, you know, it was weird. So she would always be around. And, you know, I think my dad was helping her out with stuff. She had a kind of a a weird parental relationship. She had a, a mother and then she had this boyfriend who was like, he was a friend of my dad's, but he was like kind of a weird moocher guy who would always come around whenever my dad would come home with a new case of beer. You know, it's like, oh, there's Richard coming around, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> hey, you know, my dad would joke about that. But they were kind of friendly and he had this whole neighborhood of friends in Huntington Beach. I mean, it was kind of a party culture, too. I mean, there was always there were always parties and drinking and, um, you know, my dad was right there, you know. And uh, but the other thing that happened, as I mentioned, alluded to before, was he got MTV, which was really weird because my dad really got into it. And 
he loved weird stuff that I did not expect. Like he loved culture club. He loved, do you really want to hurt me? You know, he thought that was great. Of course he was like, freaked out by George. Yeah. He was like that. He was like girl, George. He was like freaked out. Like, he's like, I liked it until I saw the guy, you know, Uh, but even like weird shit, like simply red was also, cause that was kind of that sophisticated pop R and B thing. It kind of hooked into the jazzy side of the kind of smooth jazz he liked. Um, he also like got a CD player and got like David Bowie's greatest hits, which I didn't even know he liked Bowie. You know, I was kind of into Bowie. I knew about him from Let's Dance, but my dad was really into like Rebel Rebel and all Space Oddity and all that stuff. It really surprised me. He was into something that quote unquote weird, you know, but but it was like he he got all these CDs and he just got really into different stuff. And another one that surprised me was Eurythmics. He was super into all the synthesizer shit they were doing. Mm. You know, it was just, it was, but the one that I'm, I remember, remember most fondly is the night my dad, uh, he told me about this. He just happened to turn on a movie called Stop Making Sense. And he, it, he just became a fan. So let's place a little bit of what first turned him on to this band. Yeah. And that's the one he singled out, which I thought was weird because I could see him liking like uh, Girlfriend is Better or the funkier stuff, you know, yeah. that's more commercial or like Take Me to the River. But that's the one he singled out. He's like, he, he's like, I watch this movie and this guy comes out and he's like, I want to play a tape for you, you know, because he just has that ghetto blaster and he plays the tape and that's what's playing the beat while he plays acoustic guitar. And my dad started buying all the records. Yeah. It was just weird. You know, he didn't really get into the early stuff. It was more like, Stop making sense. Speaking in tongues, uh, you know, little creatures, which mm-hmm. is very commercial. You know, true stories he loved. Um, I don't know if he got if he got some of the earlier stuff, but I was surprised he liked Psycho Killer. He just was really into it. He just thought they were the greatest. That's one you of know? my favorite songs, actually. From I'm talking, about. it's great. They're they're one of the best bands ever, really. And we'll do, we're gonna we've Jeff and I have already talked about. We're gonna do a show on them, you know. But um, it was funny. He liked mainstream stuff too. He he. Uh, you know, and some of the stuff you might expect, you would like, like ZZ Top uh, Eliminator, which we're going to do a show on, or maybe we'll do an album more with maybe one of the old ZZ Top albums, because I'm Team Eliminator. I fucking don't care what the ZZ Top fans say. Eliminator fucking rules. It's great start to finish. And I remember my dad would be in the car. I remember driving up to visit my grandfather at this little town called Bridgeport, which is somewhere in the eastern northern part of California. I don't know where. But he had this, him and my grandmother would go there with a little trailer and stay there for like the summer um, because Boron was so hot. And he would stay there. And and um, he um, my I remember my dad. uh, This might have been actually right around the time my grandmother died or right before. But he had a eliminator. And I remember he he turned he would put a eliminator in and he would just fucking floor it. He put like, I got me on depression. He would just fucking turn it up and just floor it like at 80 miles per hour on the freeway. It was just fucking so funny. Uh, and I remember like there's this one band autograph called Turn Up. They had a song, Turn yeah. Up the Radio. Yeah, you remember this? Yeah, totally. And I remember every time they sang it, my dad would go, okay. 
and he'd turn it up a little bit. And then he'd go, turn up the radio. And he'd turn it up a little <laughs> bit more. And every time until it was just blasting. That's like the kind of goofy shit my dad would do, you know? Um, and then uh yeah, he uh um you know uh and then one day, one day at the house, he he Richard had bought this album. And of course I knew what this was, but my dad had never heard this band. And this is so what I would expect my dad to like. He came running into this album. He's all, Darren, you got to hear this song, man. You got to hear this song. And this is what he played. Dude, now people call classic rock dad rock. That is fucking dad rock right yeah. there. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's funny. I just laugh because it was so perfect. I mean, you know, dude, I I have a soft spot for this record because my dad played it in the car all the time. Sports, you know, I heard, sports dude, sports. Yeah. But it was just so funny that that was the kick-ass song, yeah. you know. Um, but, uh, but at any rate, um, you know, and I just remember Huntington Beach, great times. Uh, you know, summer at my dad's, I remember we used to, uh, go to breakfast too. We would not just get the bagels and donuts, but we'd go to breakfast. We used to go to this restaurant called the shed. And I tried to look this up to get pictures of it for the reel that we're going to do. And or I'm going to do for my dad. And I couldn't find any, you know, it's again, a small business. They had this omelet called the Bacado. So bacon, avocado and cheese, man. I got that mm. every time I just, and I've gotten it since, but man, no one did it like the shed, just a massive helping, you know? Um, and we would just, my dad would make fun of people who were talking, like we had this one, we were sitting next to this one couple, they were kind of like new agers and he was like, touch, he was kind of, it was this guy on a date with a woman. He was totally trying to make it with her. He was like, you know, let's touch our fingers together. Cause I want you to feel this energy. This is what I practiced <laughs> at the retreat. And my dad would just fucking goof on, you know, we, he'd just be goofing on him, you know, the Swami over there and stuff. And uh, we also used to go to this restaurant called Mazzotti's, which is no longer there. They they had a, uh, I think if you find it, you look on the internet, you'll find the one they opened in Arcata, California, which is way up north. They have one that lasted longer. Mazzotti's closed in the 90s in Huntington Beach. We used to go, they used to make these big giant raviolis. It was just like a giant circle, like the size of a bagel. And they were just like three or four of them. And they would either have like pesto or tomato sauce. It was fucking awesome. We used to go there all the time. And it was just like, we'd just walk there. Because you, know, you went to hurricanes, it was right there. We yeah. just walked from my dad's, it was like two blocks away. There was that whole area, and I would walk there all the time and you know, uh, walk to the beach all the time. It was just so cool to hang out there and stuff. And we would always go to these different restaurants, but another one was called Wimpy's Hamburgers. They had a picture of Wimpy from Popeye, and they made these like big, fat, delicious cheeseburgers, and we would go there too. You know, it was just, I just have such nostalgic for that. Another one, I just have to shout out for my sister, Charlie's Chili, another place we used to go to. Um, you know, all these great, all Speaking these great places. Chili. Oh yeah, okay, so now we're going to get to the chili part. Um, so one of my fondest memories is New Year's. Whenever this was Delirious first came out, Eddie Murphy, this was this New Year's. They showed it on HBO for maybe not the first time, but maybe really early on. And I was at New Year's for my dad's. I was celebrating with him. 
And this was the first time I ever got drunk. So I was like, what, when Delirious came out, 13 or 14 at the most. Yeah. And I had discovered, you know, they had all these, all this booze around, you know, we were kind of going in between uh, Richard, Richard, I think her name was Linda was, was, um, was Stacy's mother. So their house was right next door. We were kind of going back and forth between their places. And, uh, and we were, um, we were, we were kind of going back and, and there were other neighborhoods. There was a guy, there was a guy who, uh, had scoliosis. My dad, you know, my dad was not the most politically correct guy. He called him Scully Scott. He had like a <laughs> back problem and he was a musician. And they, there was one summer they had a party where all, they all played in the backyard in, the, in Richard's backyard. And, and uh, yeah, I know. I, dude, we, some, I'm not going to go into too much detail on some of the comments my dad made because I don't want to get banned from all, all of media, but let's just say he wasn't the most politically correct guy all the time. But, you know, it was like, I was getting drunk. I had, there was a bottle of cold duck I discovered, which have you ever fucking had this shit? Yeah. It's like gross wine. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like wine coolery wine. Yeah. It's like, the, it's, it's like the kind of Thing a hobo would buy yeah, to get like drunk because it's cheap kinda, and yeah. yeah it's like thunder and i was drinking the you know i drank a good amount of it and i got hammered and we were just kind of sitting around together somehow we had ended up alone in the living room and tv was on and eddie murphy came on delirious you know and and we started watching it and uh let's play clip you know you fight around your fellas and it's funny dudes be doing that they be getting in the elevators and fighting and laughing and shit nasty you play the fight game i think deep down inside people want to smell other people's fights because you smell them and people always tell you they fight it they say i fight it you don't leave you pause a second yeah you did (laughs) still good still good the fight game fight you fight dude so anyway we were fucking dying and my dad and it got really dirty you know i mean it's like He's like really talking about pussy and all this shit. What, you know, what, it's I didn't like hear you. what was that? What was he talking about? P U S P U S Y. That's a reference to our uh, our, yeah. our Ocean's Eleven. But anyway, he was S, talking about that. Yes, yes. My, my my he was talking about the shit. My dad was like, uh, Darren, I think you got to leave. But he was kind of half-hearted. Mm-hmm. He didn't really push me out. He let me watch the whole thing. But I he was like, this is too dirty for you. It's like yeah. too adult. So he kind of knew it was too adult, but I'm sitting there drinking a bottle of booze. <laughs> you know, it's like, Could but he didn't care. It was too or? funny. It was too funny. He couldn't, we were dying. I mean, this was the kind of laughter where you're just like, I mean, I was sick probably from the cold duck, to be honest, but I was also sick from laughing. Yeah. I mean, I was in pain. Yeah. It kept going. I mean, we'll have to cover, I mean, we'll have to talk more about it. I don't want to go up on a tangent, but anyway, fart humor was a big thing to my dad. Yeah. And and like I said, my dad was really sharp, really witty. He had, you know, he had these highbrow movie tastes with, uh, with, you know, Midnight Cowboy, you know, but he also loved fucking Caddyshack, one of his favorite movies, you know, nice. he loved, well, I remember we saw a, a double feature, greatest double feature ever, Trading Places and Easy Money with Rodney nice. Dangerfield, yeah. a masterpiece. I mean, I was dying. It was like two of the funniest movies ever. Yeah. I actually don't, I haven't watched Easy Money, but I've watched Trading Places and I still think it's great. Easy money um, holds up too. Yeah. Joe Pesci. Yeah, I mean, it? yeah. it's so over yeah. the top. It's so funny. Um, but anyway. Jennifer Jason uh, Lee. You know, <laughs> oh, we're going to get some quotes. Yeah. So so anyway, farting was a huge, 
you know, uh, a thing for my dad. And, you know, there are all these variations on farting stories of my what my dad would do because he would blame other people. And my sister told the best one. So we're walking. I don't remember this, but we were walking. You know, often we walk to breakfast or whatever. And we were walking to breakfast one day. And just as these handsome surfers, cute surfers walk by and my sister's ogling, my dad rips a fart and he says, <laughs> Leslie, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she was mortified. He was mortified. Yeah, he did it right at the time because he could just rip them out. I mean, he was just farting all the time. I mean, when we go into the diet culture, some of the diets he went on, man, they did some fucking shit to his bowels. Let me tell you, it was like avant garde shit, dude. <laughs> Jazz I mean, farts. Yeah. yeah. So, so jazz, he would fart jazz all the time. Farts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would fart all the time. And he was always doing, I mean, even in, in the room, he would just be like, boop, 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 <laughs> you know, just like going off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he thought it was funny. We all thought it was, sometimes he would just do it so nonchalantly, we would die. Um, or he'd say like, I thought that, I think that was an elephant or something, you know, if he farted. Yeah. He's like, I think that was an elephant. Yeah, you know, kind of like step on a duck. Oh. Somebody step on a duck. Yeah, we always talked about that. It was a one of his favorite lines. Um, yeah, he loved Rodney Dangerfield too, one of his favorite comedians. He would kind of repeat some of his jokes sometimes. Um, so the other thing about my dad, though, uh, and I'm kind of jumping around. I could I, there's probably a better flow to this, but this is you guys. We're just throwing this together. I just really wanted to get this out, and you know, I had to pay tribute to my dad in some way. So, you know, let's talk about a a, a thing that you know, my dad was low, bro, but he's a fucking really smart guy. You know, he just knew. He would just tell you about history. He just knew everything. I mean, I debated with him about some of the facts, but for the most part, he was right, and he knew a lot, and he just had this ability to retain information. So I remember when we fucking bought Trivial Pursuit for the first time. He, of course, heard about this was a when Trivial Pursuit came out. It was a phenomenon, right? It was this huge best-selling game. It was selling out of stores. You couldn't buy it. And um, we'll probably talk about this if we do a board game episode, too, because that was a game where it was just really a phenomenon, a really a cultural thing. And I remember we played and we were in Lancaster. This was when my grandfather, my grandmother had died. My grandmother, grandfather moved in with my aunt in Lancaster. And we were in there they had this yellow house and we had bought the game at the store and brought it. And I think some a bunch of the family were there. I don't know if Becky was there, who was there, but it was there were enough of us to play the game. And uh, maybe there was, you know, I think it was six people played and, and my dad went, I think he went first or second and no one else got a fucking turn because he just won in a one round. He like got every question, right? Like, it was like, it was amazing to us, you know, it was like crazy. And he actually, you know, I talk about TV. My dad was, you know, when I think about TV, it's kind of a blind spot because really it was more sports than anything else. He loved football, most of all. Um, uh, later, he he was into hockey. He was into baseball a little bit. Uh, later, it was golf, too. Uh, but he was really into sports. That's what he watched most of. But when I was younger, I can't really think of anything he watched on TV except for one thing he watched for the rest of his life. And it's this. course you guys recognize that as a jeopardy theme and fun fact my dad did try out for jeopardy 
according to him, they didn't like his job enough to give him the thing or he didn't make it somehow, but um, he was really good at it. And he would, he would just play every night, you know, yeah. whenever I visited him, even the last time I visited him uh, alone, you know, we'll talk about the last, last of things at the end, but we played uh, Jeopardy together. You know, I think it was the last time it was one of the times I, maybe Barb was there, my wife, but, but we played Jeopardy together. He would always play him, him and my stepmom love Jeopardy and wheel of fortune. They watch it every night. And that is the one consistent thing that he would watch from the eighties onward. You know, he was super into Jeopardy and super into trivia. And of course, Jeff mentioned at the beginning, you know, we played at the bar, you know, he, yeah. he would always go to hurricanes and play and he would often win. One funny story, though, is that uh, I was on a team with Barb and we beat him because my wife is also fucking secret weapon because she knows all about like dog breeds, birds, biology, uh, foods, like different kinds of cheese, like all these random categories, like scientific categories of things. Uh, just like name what kind of bird does this, you know, like natural. She's super into that and animals and stuff. And so she was like my secret weapon. So between the two of us, the only weakness was sports, which my dad is really good at and I am terrible at. So we didn't have the sports, but we won that night um, because I had Barb. So she was like, they were just like, oh, you're cheating. This was like, I think one of the first times she met my dad, actually. And she always said, you know, he was just such a warm hearted person or she didn't have the best relationship with her dad. And she uh, always said he was this really warm hearted, welcoming person to her. And, you know, that was just great. You know, yeah. Um, now, one other memory I should mention that really meant a lot to me is I was on the swim team in high school. It was just one of these things. I always my dad, you know, he was I had a letter jacket in high school. I always just felt I should be some sport, but I didn't like football. I didn't really I wasn't big or strong and. I always thought swimming would be easy. You know, I just thought, oh, swimming's easy. You're cool. You're in a pool. Of course, I couldn't have been more wrong uh, because you had to get up at five in the morning every morning to practice. So I would get up and play water polo and swimming. And, um, you know, I went to this first awards banquet at this restaurant. Jeff, I don't know if you remember these, the Velvet Turtle. Yeah. You remember these? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we went, it was under the Velvet Turtle. I remember they served us this dressing. It was like really green glop called Green Goddess Dressing. I actually love Green Goddess Dressing now, but as a kid, my dad really made fun of that. He's like, it looks like boogers. Yeah, yeah so, it did. You know, uh, but, um, which is something my dad would totally say. Um, but anyway, uh, but in the 80s, like, you know, my dad was on a diet a lot and he was always trying to get in shape. He kind of went back and forth and he got in really good shape at certain points in his life. And he, you know, he had some amazing athletic achievements. I mean, toward the end of his life, he would like walk like 10, 15 miles, you know, um, he was really into walking all, you know, he's, he was trying, he was into that kind of thing all his life, but he was kind of back and forth. And it was funny in the eighties, I'm really nostalgic for this thing. And I tried to look for stuff. I found like the logo, but that was it. I was trying to look for a menu. There was this chain of restaurants around Orange County called skinny Haven. I don't know if you ever <laughs> no. heard of this. No. Yeah. It was just in Orange County. And I think there was one in Arizona and this restaurant, um, was like diet food. So they would, you would get like a tuna sandwich with these weird kind of fake Cheetos that were like super low calorie. They were all chemical. I'm sure they were all chemicals. And they would have this ice cream that wasn't really ice cream. It was probably, it was like fake. And they would have this like hot kind of fudge, but it was, it was so thin. It was clear. It was so weird. And you would just make a little hole in the top of the ice cream and pour this fudge. I'll tell you, it was really good. 
Like, but it was totally fake, weird food. It was like, and we would go there a lot. We would go to Skinny Haven. I was like, man, I just had to mention it because it's like one of these things. I wonder if any of our listeners have ever heard of this, you know, and if you have, please comment. Cause it was like a big deal in the eighties. Like, you know, it was kind of the low fat era. So I think everything was very low fat. Um, and we had a membership to this really fancy gym called Racquetball World. And I got to go as a guest of my dad. Um, and I think he even got me a membership. You know, I would just go and do the treadmill or maybe try to work a few machines. But, okay, I'm going to get really dirty here. So, Aunt Nancy, plug your ears because I'm going to tell a dirty joke uh, that my dad said. So so my dad, uh, when he first was fat and started going to the gym, he would say, you know, he kind of was flabby and had like, you know, uh, kind of, he was fat and, and out of shape. And he would say, you know, when I take off my clothes in the gym, you know, everybody makes fun of me until I take off my underwear. And then they say, I didn't realize he was a tripod. <laughs> <laughs> that is something, that is what my dad said. Uh, he like also Norman said some Fell. variation where he flashed people at the lake. My cousin Jeff said, like, he flashed people at the lake and said they saw, looked up and saw a three-legged man and were surprised. <laughs> that's my dad and it's funny i had this band in high school we were called the panhandles which is a weird name it's 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 a slang from clockwork orange which is a book i was a book and a film i was really into in high school um and i made i did this blues improvisation which is somewhere on cd somewhere on tape i have called tripod blues (laughs) where i actually sing about this um if i had a clip i would play it but it's not accessible to us easily so and we're trying to get this out um so anyway sorry Aunt nancy you can unplug your ears if you if you did i know that if anyone's offended i'm sorry but i gotta tell it like it is and it's just my dad was just who he was and he was fucking hilarious you know uh one of the funniest guys uh any rate, uh, you know, and I remember the riots of Huntington Beach. I don't think we were there, but it was crazy. I had a clip, but I didn't add it of like these surfer dudes going, yeah, they burned some cop cars and shit, which was this crazy riot that happened when they were there. I think that's one of the reasons they decided to move, uh, you know, late. we'll get to that later because they would live at Huntington Beach for about 10 more years. Um, and then I went to college and I went to Japan and after I gave, you know, during the summer of college, me and my dad got in a little bit of an argument because I was kind of being, we went to see my sister's play and there were some guys who, you know, were obviously, my sister was saying one of the guys was out in college now and he was still going back to the high school. And I said, all these losers, you know, and my dad was like, kind of like thinking I was a little bit, you know, full of myself. And he kind of told me so and he's probably right. Um, there was a little weirdness between us during this time, you know, uh, he had never gone to school. He had, he had, he had gone to school for years. He actually went to community college when he met my mom. And, and then after, after he got on the GI bill and he studied Spanish for years at like community college and studied business, but he would just kind of go take classes. He never really went. And I always wonder if he regretted that. Cause he was just such an intellectual guy, you know, he was kind of an autodidact. He would yeah. always be reading stuff and, you know, history and stuff like that and um you know most of what he read was mysteries which we share um but uh you know i remember in the 80s he had like those sue grafton books which i still fucking love we were just taught we were just in santa barbara and that's like santa Teresa. her fake city is totally santa barbara so i remember but i remember talking with him about her you know she kind of writes these female noiry books and i was into i you know it's it's fun reading it's not anything literary but he was also really into like 
you know, Agatha Christie and, and, and Sherlock Holmes and all that stuff. We shared that stuff, but kind of going off. But anyway, so the 1990s, um, the first thing I want to talk about is JFK, which I was going to play a clip of and I didn't have it. So um, this is a movie at the time that I absolutely loved. Um, and it's kind of funny because it, my dad had read this book called Best Evidence in the late 70s. It was one of his favorite books. And it's really outlandish conspiracy theory. I mean, this, this book there, like replacing the autopsy photos with fake photos. I mean, it's just really crazy. But he believed in the conspiracy. You know, he believed in it. And I know a lot of people do. Um, I was just talking to my cousin and he was kind of playing devil's advocate with me because I do not. Uh, I used to. Uh, and this is like an ar argument me and my dad got into one time just JFK was just blew him away. And he had like the extra long four hour version of it. And he was super into it. And, um, you know, he didn't agree that that's what happened, but he just loved the idea of this movie. And it is a really well-made film. You know, I loved it at the time. I was just loved it, you know? Um, but I just wanted to say that cause I, you know, I'm talking about stuff that he liked and that was a really important movie to him. Uh, and me when I saw it. Um, but anyway, so around this time, my dad, kind of went through a little bit of a midlife crisis. So he started rollerblading, which was crazy <laughs> to me. Um, and he had these spandex kind of tights he would wear, I think. Uh, it was like protective gear, but it was kind of, uh, I don't know, oh, a little, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> a little you know, revealing junk busters. Yeah, maybe. I didn't really see him do it. I just heard about, I never went roller, but my, I'm sure my sister's, my sister's super into roller skating, but she's like into 70s old school roller skates, but she, I'm sure she went with them. She was a good skater. I, I skated when I was like in fourth grade, just like every kid did, but it was kind of like this Frankenstein walk, you know, I was never good. Um, and around this time, my dad got back into the surfing, you know, and he had this really, he has this, had this really cl close cousin, uh, Bobby. And they they grew up together in the 60s and they were really close as teenagers and young adults. And Bobby was kind of a character. I think he might have had some drug issues. Um, he had kind of a, a some kind of injury where he limped with a cane, but he was able to surf and he would go out with my dad. You know, they got back together and started surfing in the early 90s. And we had this. My dad at this time also got a tattoo. He got his first tattoo, which is a shark. And he taught, we talked about, oh, this tattoo place I went in Newport Beach is where all the celebrities go. But his tattoo was kind of crappy. It was just like filled in shark. And um, what was funny is around this time, this is right when I got back from Japan, we went up to Ukiah to visit and we had a huge birthday party for him. And my grandpa and all of the family got to get, got dressed as my dad wearing these like beach t-shirts with the sleeve rolled up. And they all had, my cousin Greg had drawn fake shark tattoos on their shoulders. And they all came out to like, uh, maybe I think it was a beach boys song, like California girls or, you know, something like that, or Barbara Ann. I don't remember, you know, guys, sorry, I don't remember, but it was like a really amazing, uh, funny thing. And, Danny's band played. He had this little band called Hayden's Mural and they did like red hot chili peppers and shit. <laughs> it was like pretty funny. Um, but he was, he was already getting good. You know, he's not, he isn't like the incredible virtuoso he is now, but he was already had a knack for it. Um, and I remember around this time too, my dad got really into hockey. I think it was maybe because the Rams weren't good anymore. Um, but it was also because the Kings had moved to Los Angeles or were they always there? They're always but they, the Anaheim Ducks. But they got there. Gretzky. Yeah. This is yeah. when they got Gretzky and they changed their colors to Raiders black and gold and silver. Right. Cause they used to have like 
it was like purple and gold gold yeah, or something, yeah. right? And they weren't good, but this is when they got Wayne Gretzky and they got that Luke guy who I think was the, the goalie um, that I don't remember his last name. But, uh, and my dad, of course, would remember the name because my dad would remember anything. I'm terrible. I'm probably going to get dementia. I think I've got Luke some Robert, of my dad's intellect. Luke Robitaille but... is probably who you're thinking of. Huh? Maybe. Luke Robitaille, is that who Thank you. Thank you, dude. Jeff, you're going to be the sports guy, man. You're you're pulling all the stops here. Yeah, Luke Robitaille, that was him. That was what the dog was named after. But um, they were getting good, so he was a huge fan of the Kings, but he was also into the Mighty Ducks because he could go to the games. So he took me to my first and only Mighty Ducks game, and he saw they play rock and roll music at the game. So they had this song, Rock the Pond. So let's listen to that. Yeah, I thought that was Dio when I heard it over the song. Is that, did Dio do this? Did they pay him? Is, was he having hard times in the 90s? But it's, no, it's this guy, Jeff Behira or Behira or something. Behira, maybe. I don't know. But it's like, he uh, he's just some guy, right? And this, of course, was from the soundtrack of the Mighty Ducks movie. And that's what the team was, a Disney-owned team. And they were named after yeah, the Mighty Ducks. It was kind of all launched at the same time, right? As the Mighty Ducks and D two, and they play that during like the breaks, you know, Rock the Pond. So it was it was fun though. Hockey, going to see hockey is really fun. You know, it's like I didn't know what was going on, but it's you know it's like all cold in there, and you know you're drinking a beer. It's good, you know, and um, yeah. So I mean. And I remember around this time, too, uh, this is around the, the time my dad met this younger guy at his work named Brendan. And it was a little weird. He became really close friends. And my dad was always friends with young people. All the people on the beach were younger than him. And he'd have these, like, girls. And some of the girls are like, I'm like, wow, that's a hot girl who's, like, friends with my dad. It's just weird. You know, he'd have, like, these girls and these their boyfriends would come over and, you know, they would they would hang out with my dad because he was just cool. And so young people always gravitated towards him, you know? And um, I remember later... the farts. (laughs) People want to smell each other's farts. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, he, uh, you know, plus it might have been that he might have bought him a few dinners and beers because he was very generous, you know? But he... um, yeah, but though it was it was they liked hanging out with him. He's like the life of the party, you know? And he had a young energy, you know? And uh, he... um, they would they would hang out with him and stuff. And I remember after Richard and Linda left, the guy who moved in next door, maybe maybe two guys over, maybe in the late '90s, early 2000s, was this guy Jack Grisham, who was a lead singer of the band TSOL, mm. was like my dad's buddy. You know, they were friends. It was just crazy. And it's like my dad would never listen to you, even with the Talking Heads. He's like, oh yeah, all that punk stuff. They just had to act that way. But they actually had some talent, unlike most of the music. You know, he had like no, he had no respect for any of that era. But that was the one band that stuck out to him. You know, which is a good choice. You know, but yeah. but yeah, the, the TSOL. He never would have liked the music, but he liked the guy. He just thought the guy was cool, and the guy was like, you know, T, he was an older punk rocker, Orange County punk rocker who happened to move in, was a, a, a surfer. He still played like, you know. The Vans, uh, what do they call those? Uh, I forget those those concerts, right? They, he still play those concerts. Um, and he would, um, 
you know, he would go surfing and stuff and he would hang out with my dad and drink beers and talk. And he was a dad now, you know, so he's older, but that was kind of a cool thing. And I just remember visiting him in the nineties, you know, I was not yet surfing, but I was way more into going outside and, you know, Barb got to go into the water and she was real scared because she was always scared as a kid to go in the water, but she went in with all of us and we went at sunset. It was just an amazing memory. I also remember my dad had a hot tub at this time and we, his favorite thing was to sit there and drink a Zima. He fucking loved that shit. <laughs> It's like fucking not even beer, but he's like, this is a real California drink. My dad was always California is the greatest. He was just like California Pizza Kitchen is great because it's California in the name. Like not because, you know, he just like he's like, I love California style food, California cuisine. You know, he even started eating sushi, you know, which is not something I would ever thought my dad would like. But he was one of his favorite foods. You know, he's super into it. Um, I remember sitting around the hot tub, you know, uh, and, and I would visit him in the 90s and we'd have a good time. And there was a lot of partying. And this is the first time, you know, with Brendan hanging out his the kind of it was where he was almost like a, a me, like another me to hang out with my dad. And he, but he was really close to my dad. He was really good friends with my dad. And, you know, he just loved my dad and he and him and his friends would hang out with my dad. And and uh, one day we just uh, had that moment where it was the first time ever because I didn't mention this. I completely for, forgot this. But when we would go to Boron, one of the things that Raj, Becky and my dad and Ann would do is they would fire up a doobie when yeah. they were watching Saturday Night Live. And we would totally we totally smelled it. Me, we weren't stupid. We knew what it was. And it was weird because I must have just watched Saturday Night Live when I was at home because I never got to watch it in Boron because they didn't they wouldn't didn't want us around when they were doing that, which is understandable. But eventually in the 90s, I did do that with my dad for the first time, you know. Well, and, and Greg uh, became quite the aficionado as well. Yeah, me and Greg, you know. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it's something you do, you know. It's like, uh, and my dad, you know, he did, they did it, you know. And I'm sorry if that's not okay to say, but I've got to tell it like it is. And it's an experience that oh, was important to me, deal. you know. It was like People a bonding. Time, it was a bonding. Yeah. Huh? It's a big fucking deal. People smoke pot, get over it. I know. But it was like at the time, it was like a big deal to me because it was a bonding ritual. You know, yeah. it was like something, a line had been crossed, you know, some, there's a little more intimacy there. You know, well, you told a story about smoking weed with Greg's father, right? At that oh, yeah. Point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that was the time when they, uh, you know, broke down the wall, as it were. So anyway, uh, so later years, I'm going to go over this really briefly because, again, you know, it's not a time. I, I It's a time I regret. I don't think I saw my dad enough. You know, I'm very much like him. We would talk on the phone once in a while. We we're both very into our individual worlds. You know, he was he had moved to Canyon Lake, which is a place uh, a place that's near Lake Elsinore. It's a gated community. And, you know, as he got older, it just made sense for them to live there. They you know, they have a community there. It was great. He was really popular there. That's a story that, you know, someone else can tell because I wasn't really there for that. But he did participate in car shows. He was part of a work group that cleaned up around the you know, he, he led that. He was really proud of that. And his retire he retired. You know, my stepmom had had her own firm and. Um, they, they, they were doing okay. And, you know, it's, it's like they retired there basically. And, uh, although she still works and you know, she loves her work. Um, and, and they were, they were retired there and they would play golf and he was, re got really into golf and stuff and watching golf and being into it. And he got into wine and beer. And, you know, of course we got into, all got into good beers. You know, he got, he discovered Pliny and all these different IPAs. He loves stone. You know, they would always go to stone. We would often meet them at stone, uh, this is when I drank and we bonded over this. You know, we, we would, we would talk to each other about what we were drinking. And 
and the stuff we were sharing. And of course that noble day was just phenomenal. It was like one of the greatest times I've ever spent with them. You know, we had that great day you mentioned. Um, but you know, we, we probably didn't see each other as much as we should have. And the other thing is my dad, this is more my sister's time with my dad. I think more than anything, I think she talks about when we were kids, I often got a lot of the attention. I mean, I didn't mention that every time my dad picked me up, he would quiz me. We would be in the truck together, me and my sister, my dad, but he would quiz me on the U S capitals until I memorized all of them. You know, he would, that would, that would be something he would do as part of my, my education, or we'd talk about what I was learning about. And I got a lot of the attention. I think my sister, you know, she got a lot of attention too, but maybe not as, she never felt like she got as much, but during this time she had a kid. So, I mean, my dad immediately became a grandfather and my, my nephew Spencer always called him Papa Don. So he became Papa Don and that was kind of their time. I mean, there was tons of pictures of them together. He loved his grandkid, you know, and um, it was just a great time. And my sister had some problems with her marriage and stuff. So she was really going to my dad's a lot. And, and, but also just to, just to bring Spencer down there, you know? Um, and, you know, it was really uh, an important time for them. So I feel like that's more her story to tell. Um, but um, yeah, so we bonded over wine and we'd have Thanksgivings there. Uh, we talked about mystery books and, history and fitness you know he was he was always he had exercise equipment i would always use when i would go there he had like this whole little mini gym he had and uh, we would talk about what we were doing on the phone and but of course he got a little more conservative too so we get in little arguments and of course there was only one you know my dad was always kind of agnostic i don't think he voted much he was um kind of like nobody's good you know he didn't like he didn't like the democrats he didn't really like the republicans but there was only one politician for my dad, and that was this guy. So my dad loved John McCain because, of course, John McCain had walked the walk. He had been in Vietnam. But unfortunately for my dad, most of the people went the other way. My dad was one of the few people to get on the train. So, yeah. you know, that's how that ended. Plus, when you have the dumbest song of all time, and, uh, but and, and you pick the worst running, running mate. mate. But my well, dad was really. Now. Yeah. Yeah. My dad. Yeah. My dad really loved McCain because, I mean, I think it was the Vietnam relationship. The one thing I really bonded after I stopped drinking, I visited my dad. The one thing I really bonded with him on was old movies. And we love, both love TCM. So. Play this clip. Hi, welcome to Turner Classic Movies. I'm Robert Osborne. I'm going to be your host right here as we present some of the best, the finest films ever made, 24 hours a day. We're going to be drawing not only from the great film libraries of MGM and Warner Brothers, but also from other outstanding film catalogs. Yeah, Robert Osborne, my dad, he was part of the family. I mean, he loved TCM. He loved watching. We would talk about the silent film night. My stepmom hated it. She was super bored by it. She'd go watch other stuff, you know, reality TV or whatever. Her and my sister both share that. My dad, my dad loved TCM, you know, and we would, the last time I, I was there alone, I visited him in June after he started having some health issues. Um, and uh, he, uh, you know, we were watching like old film noirs. We watched some stuff on TCM. We watched some stuff on Amazon Prime and shit, he was naming every fucking actor on the screen. 
I mean, it was just like even these character actors, like I didn't know, I knew Barbara Stanwyck was, but I didn't know who all these other guys were, you know? And he was just naming them all. His, he just never lost his cognitive ability at all. He was just always on point. And I just remember really enjoying this time with him. He also loved History Channel. And he would, half the time we're watching History Channel, he's just talking through the whole thing. Yeah, that was this, Darren. And they did that. He was like, he was like explaining the stuff over the other person. So you're kind of watching it, but you're kind of just having this conversation. So it was kind of cool. Um, I remember it was like World War II weekend one night, but we just spent all this time. Uh... So, you know, the biggest thing that happened recently was other than my dad passing away was this amazing 80th birthday surprise party my stepmom put together i mean we were just down there this was the end of july we were down there the last weekend of july and it was almost like magical that we had this incredible time with him this was like three days of all of the fam most of the family not everyone but a lot of the family together with my dad and my dad was completely surprised by this. My stepmom kept it a secret from him for like six months. She has been planning this because it was his 80th. And we were in Temecula. We rented this house that was part of a winery. It was a huge place. We all got a room and um, every, you know, my, even my, my uh, dad's great granddaughter, uh, my, my nephew, Spencer's daughter, Naomi and, and, and Spencer's wife were there. And it was just, and my cousin Jeff came and his, some of his family and, um, you know, every, I, I'm not sorry, I'm not going to name everybody who was there because, you know, my cousin Danny and his uh, his his current girlfriend, who's in a du country duet with Franklin Wall, they did played music for us, you know, and he was just like playing songs. He was just like, oh, let me look up this uh, Every Everly Brothers song I've never played before. And he just taught himself how to play it on the fly. I mean, he's just crazy how talented that guy is. But anyway, they they're they are both professional singers and they sang all these kind of 50 songs for my dad and did some of their music and. And it was just an incredible time. And I remember the first time my dad was there, he didn't go to sleep. My dad normally go to bed at nine o'clock at night. He'd be snoring next to me. You know, he snored a lot. And I also remember they go to bed, they play AM radio all night. So it was kind of hard to sleep there. You'd hear like KNX AM. I don't know if you ever listened to KNX AM, Jeff, but it has this sound effect. They play, okay, weather coming up and it'd go, and we'd hear that fucking shit all night, you know? But anyway, it's annoying actually. Yeah, it was super annoying, but that's the only way they could sleep. They would just listen and then they would watch TV later, but they used to listen to the, the news radio all the time, you know? Anyway, that's maybe how my dad knew so much shit, just to absorb it in his sleep. I don't know. But anyway, we had this amazing reunion, and he was pretty much sick after that, and he he passed away, you know? He, he had uh, some heart issues and other stuff, and, you know, I'm just thankful that he didn't, he never lost his his mental faculties and he didn't suffer for very long. You know, it was just right after that reunion. That was like that took it took it out of him, I guess. But that was like the I don't think it took it out of him. I think it gave him it rejuvenated him, actually. But he was already just having other issues and they kind of came on in a storm of issues. You know, it was like all at once. And he didn't suffer too much. And he really, we're just grateful that he had this amazing reunion with him, this, this party. It was just right at the end. And, um, you know, everyone was able to socialize with him. And it's funny, dude, we were cleaning out the, you know, as you do, you know, you clean out some of the stuff. My son was like, well, let's clean out the closet. And my dad, dude, he had more clothes than Barb. I mean, he had so many clothes and and she was telling me like when he would work out, he would be color coordinated. <laughs> like, so he would have different workout outfits or color coordinated. And, and man, you, uh, one picture I have of my dad in his Rams outfit, he used to do the whole tailgating shit. 
you know, back in the 80s and 90s, he used to do tailgating and he would dress up at all Rams, everything. He had like Rams socks, Rams colored shoes, Rams hat. He was like Rams superhero, comic superhero. It was just crazy. But he had all these clothes and he had like more shoes than fucking Imelda Marcos. I mean, it was like <laughs> fucking insane, dude. He would buy the, he buy all these different shoes. He had like, I mean, golf shoes. And we packed all this shit into bags and, you know, we donated it and stuff. But it was like, it was like one thing that was really weird was a weird, I'm going to get a little mystical and haunted here. Um, A lot of shit started going wrong at the house, you know, like the garage door opener kind of stopped working and the water heater, which my my parents had had for 20 years, just immediately went out. Weird. Like the day after. It was like fucking what the hell, you know, just coincidence, but just strange, you know? So it was like my stepmom was joking. Maybe he's just joking. You know, maybe dad's joking, you know? And it, it was, you know... It was good. It was good uh, that we got this last opportunity. And, you know, I just want to say, you know, my dad was an amazing guy, as you might have guessed. And, uh, you know, that's why I wanted to do this really personal episode, Jeff. And thank you so much for doing this. Jeff did so much work for this. It's crazy. And like in record time, it was just unbelievable. And I want to go out with my real connection with my dad, that the, one of the gifts he gave me, which was Dark Side of the Moon. I want to end with a song that is as grandiose as he deserves, you know, this epic, one of the greatest finishers to any album. Let's do it. Rest in peace, Don. Yep. Save.